Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christagenia Internet Radio. This evening, and, and let me say first that today is Friday, May 7th, 2021. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. This evening, we decided to do an open forum conference. We haven't done one in, I believe, about two months now since the last one. It might be three, I forget. I didn't check either. So... Whether it's two or it's three, the next one won't be for at least two more. If you would like to participate in this one and you don't have the link because you're not in the Christogenia chat, but you are listening, you can go to Ecclesia, spelled with two Ks, ecclesia.christogenia.org slash conference, spelled with a C. And that will take you to this conference and you would be able to participate. In the meantime, I want to thank all the people that have chosen to participate this evening. There are over a dozen people in the chat on the video conferencing server. Hopefully more will come. We'll see. I'm just trying to encourage participation, give people that listen to our programs and podcasts the, the ability to say something, ask something, or speak something for themselves, and to offer this opportunity for fellowship. So that's about all I have to say this evening, and hello, everybody, and thanks for being here. And whoever wants to take off with this, be my guest. There's Don't everybody again, jump Jim. at once. Got a bit of <laughs> crickets around here. How you doing, James? Thank you. I'm doing well. How are you? All right. I got here in um, North Dakota. Yep. Yeah, I'm out driving right now. Sounds like fun. So what do you have for us? I know you were interested in this during the Bible study Wednesday. I think we lost James. No, I was shifting. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to join in and listen and... Uh... Maybe comment if there was something that uh, I felt I could comment on or add to. Bill, okay. Hans, Hans has a pretty good question in the chat. Um, you can check that. We, he can, uh, this is his question. He says, hey, Bill, everyone and their mother seems to think that the U.S. economy is about to undergo a period of rapid hyperinflation. What is your opinion on the question of will the economy go into a period of hyperinflation or a surprise deflation? Well, I can't really comment either way. Hyperinflation is caused, and, and the government is printing lots of money, right? All, all of these um, extra unemployment benefits because of COVID, all of these cash infusions that they're giving to everybody in America, these the stimulus checks, they're printing huge amounts of money, and usually inflation is caused when there is too much money in the economy and not enough products in the economy that the prices go up and and the person with the that, that can afford to pay the most for something will pay what they have to spend to get it so that's what causes inflation so if we have product shortages along with all of this extra money in the economy of course we are going to have inflation that's just the natural result of it but I don't know if we have production shortages. I, a, I can't say. 
there's an, um, a definition that I've heard a couple of times. I don't remember where I heard it from, but it's basically goes that uh, inflation is simply an increase in the money supply. So if you think of it that way, if the Fed is printing a whole bunch of money, then uh, that's kind of inflation in and of itself, whether or not we see it right away. Well, right. And that's true. But I only think it's it's half of the equation. You, you could increase the, the money supply, but if you increase production, that then consumers are going to have plenty of products to buy, and, and the price isn't really driven up, right? That's why I see it. And right now, the production, from what I've seen, is suffering uh, with all the people that are uh, just cashing in on the stimulus and unemployment benefits. Uh, a lot of people ain't going back to work, so therefore the products aren't being delivered to the consumer market because they're not being manufactured. Uh, I was watching a news program, a local news program up here in Williston uh, a couple days ago, and they were talking about with the oil uh, production, it's severely declined because of the production workers. Uh, they can draw unemployment benefits, and they're not being made to go out and work. Well, well, that is true here in, in several places in Florida, here on the Gulf Coast and in Tampa, restaurants and other service industries are actually having a difficult time now finding employees. Yeah, they're having a hard time up here. Every place that uh, you go with all the truck stops, the restaurants, everything you go into up here, they've got signs out looking for employees. Uh, in fact, I was in one uh little truck stop in Williston the other day and they had a sign up stating the days that they would be closed because they didn't have enough employees to cover all the shifts. And if you want a job, talk to the gal at the front desk. So they're, they're desperately hiring. Well, that would drive up prices that would cause inflation also. But that's because people don't want to work because they're they're getting all this free money, which is going to cause inflation. Right. If people don't all, work, it's going to drive up wages, and driving up wages drives up prices. Right. And production all, drops. With the, uh, not only the unemployment benefits, the stimulus, the payroll protection, all the free money that's floating around. Uh, I believe it's in July. Uh, they're going to start doing, a, I think it's a $300 uh, payment per child uh, for uh, you know families, $300 per child, and it's going to roll out for six months. So that's, well, well, you know, that's a lot. All of those factors money. together would cause inflation. I don't know what degree of inflation. Would it be hyperinflation? It, uh, I mean, I think we've already suffered inflation, and, and maybe not enough of us have noticed it yet. I was um, I actually went to the market the other day with my wife, which I rarely do, and helps with the food shopping. And I was looking at these these ribeye steaks, and they were the regular ribeye steaks in Publix. They were nineteen dollars a pound on a bone. Nineteen dollars a pound for ribeye on the bone is an incredible price to me. I would expect it to be 12 or 13. So that wasn't even the, the, the organic 
steaks or the grass-fed steaks. That was just the regular steaks, 19 bucks a pound. I couldn't believe it. That's a lot higher than I would expect it to pay. So I think in, in some areas of production, yeah, we are already seeing inflation. I, haven't, I don't watch the food prices, though. My wife does. So I can't really comment too much. I noticed that. I couldn't help but notice that. Uh, the price of beef in the supermarkets up and it's it's down at the stockyards i definitely don't see a surprise deflation hans asked about a surprise deflation that definitely is not going to happen that that would they would have to stop printing all this free money and they would have to raise the interest rates significantly Yeah, I don't know if anyone buys wood at all, but the price of lumber has about doubled in a year now. Well, if you plan on building a house, you can probably forget about it. Well, there you have it. I, I mean, I don't, I'm out of touch with society. I'm sorry. I really, I know how much beer costs. <laughs> I buy my own beer. That's about all I buy for myself. So well, I hope the price of that don't go up. Right. Just had to drink a lot less. Start drinking more water. Oh, Probably man, better for me anyway. Yeah, that's real hell, right? When you can't afford beer. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have that beer and steak. That's right. You'd better buy the water while you can. They'll eventually make it illegal to catch it. Uh, catch rainwater in barrels. They're already doing that in some states. Oregon did that, didn't they? Most of that is uh, west, west states, uh, dry area states, for the most part, that don't have steady supply of, of uh, waterfall or rainfall. Most of the eastern states' water is not considered a that much of a commodity because we have an abundance of it except in heavy drought years and most of the midwestern states are about the same isn't that the the issue about you know acid rainfall thanks to the industry around michigan and the like rust belt i'm sorry i missed that no, no problem I, I, I can repeat sorry uh, about you know acid rainfall, the occurrence of acid rainfall in the Rust Belt. What about it? I mean, it's a very old problem, but I'm not. I don't keep up with it. In regards to uh, saving up rainwater, in this question. Okay, I don't save rainwater. I, I mean, I have a well. I, I'm thinking about when I can afford it. About having a hand pump dug. On my property, I think that's the best way to get to get water is a hand pump, just in case the the electric goes out. You could still get water. Right, that's a good idea, Bill. I live on a canal on on a river, but the river water is it, it's very acidic here and very brown for that reason. It has a lot of um, tannic acid from all the vegetation here. You don't want to drink it. That probably the only reason it's brown. It looks like tea. It really does. 
So I wouldn't want to drink it without purifying it. And it would take great amounts of energy to purify it, to distill it. So I don't think that's efficient. I think the best option for me would try to have a um, a well dug and, and it operates on a hand pump. I think we should all have that if we can. That water is going to be invaluable if the grid ever goes down, which I'm not going to ever rule that out. You don't know. Yeah, at least you guys have a benefit of not having to pay uh, five times the the price of most things, at least, you know, commodities. Not food, per se, but commodities. Yeah, a lot of commodities are cheap here, but I, I don't have a measuring stick. I'm sorry, I don't have my finger on the economies in other nations in Europe. I know a lot of things are a lot more expensive in Europe, like gasoline especially, things like that. It's like five pounds a gallon for petrol in Britain, I believe, which is almost triple the price here. Yeah, it's a real situation in regards to that, because, you know, the difficulty about uh, commodities is that you have to measure what is useful and what is, you know, complementary, especially in the situations of, you know, uh, the end of the world as we know it, typically, or not necessarily the end of the world as we know it, but, you know, power goes up, that sort of thing. I'm sorry, it may have been, I may have been muted when I was trying to speak. I don't know. I have to watch the screen because I'm not getting an audio indication. <laughs> so, that the... um. Commodity prices, I, I, I just don't watch them. I, I mean, maybe somebody wants to start a forum section, I, I would suggest, and and just track prices in, in a few areas of production that, that are important to everyday living and see, let's watch how they go up over the next year or two. I, I can't rely on the government figures for inflation because I really do think that they're manipulated, that they've been claiming for years there's no inflation and I know damn well my grocery bill goes up every week, every week, every week. Uh, I mean, I don't track the individual prices, but I watch how much Melissa spends to feed us. And, and it's probably double what it was when, when I was in Bristol, Bristol, Tennessee. But I'm sure that we're not eating any differently. Well, for the calculation of GDP, they're definitely changing the equations. They're removing parts that weren't there, and then they're adding in other things that weren't there in the beginning. So it's like it, what would have indicated inflation just from looking at GDP alone is no longer the case anymore. Was that when George Bush tried to make um, fast food hamburgers in, into the manufacturing category? <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> Yeah, they've been that they've been manipulating a lot of that for twenty years, thirty years to make it to make themselves look better, to make their governance look a lot better than it really has been. Yeah, you know that sort of thing about oh, we're doing something, we're doing something. Well, I see some new people here, but I see Ed with as my friend Brett here. <laughs> Come on, Brett. What's up? Brett's in Panama City here. He's a good friend, and he's just sort of always in the background. 
He's shy too. I'm gathering. Isn't Do uh, Doug here too? No, I don't see him. He might come in. I, I don't know. Dasha, what have you been up to? What kind of trouble are you causing? <laughs> uh, I've been I've been attending meetings and talking to people in the political circles in Virginia. Uh, we're trying to get Northam thrown out. We're trying to get someone at least vaguely conservative in as governor. I've, I've I think everybody's pretty much given up on uh, on federal level politics. Is the is the feeling I get? And people are also real fed up with all the COVID things and the masks. So it's uh it's 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 heartening. You know, it's 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 uplifting to see people talking about things that you know a year or two ago we would have been called crazy for talking about. It's always good to see your people start to come around. Oh, definitely. Yeah, think of all the shit this time last year that people were saying, oh, no, that's crazy. That's a conspiracy. That'll never happen. And here we are. And it's even worse. <laughs> we were just talking about the prices going up. Um, we have this worldwide excuse for resource shortages. And who keeps on getting richer? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I haven't noticed uh, any shortages in Australia, but... Um... I've no. noticed that taking all the butter away and replacing it with a Jewish brand, Lurpak. Is that Joe? Sorry, I... I... No, that's Daniel. Oh, okay, sorry. What's up, Daniel? Daniel. Yeah, Daniel, Daniel. The one that was just talking. But Daniel's talking. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Daniel's typing, I think. Yeah, I was, I was just putting my name in. Yeah, I was just going to say, even if you don't actually have shortages, that's that's kind of what I meant. Is it's an excuse that that that's what is used as uh, hiking up prices is because oh, it's so hard to get. There's shortages worldwide, right? Even if there aren't. Well, there's probably um, actually went out looking for cars, and um, they've usually got one or maybe two SUVs in stock, and the rest are on a big massive order list. So that's probably something that's apparently they my dad was saying they can't get microchips for cars so he said just hold off for now and then wait a year and then there'll be a you know, much broader stock you'll get a cheaper car he says i have noticed shortages of a lot of things from china and i really think that it's like some kind of unpublished trade war that's going on or something yeah there's um Trade wars with China and Australia started started at least six months ago where they stopped, well, they put like tariffs on our wine because that's our major wine market selling to China. Um, and that helped hurt, you know, the wine growing industry. And, um, there's been a few other things as well uh, where they're kind of doing this aggressive trading Yeah. Well, I've noticed shortages on a few products that come to China, come from China the last six months. And I've been wondering if some sort of trade war has been going on with China. And and I, I started to notice this while Trump was still president, maybe during the last six months of his presidency, 
and and I sort of wondered if it was attributed to his trying to crack down on China and and in certain areas and to make trade more fair, which we know is bullshit. And and if they weren't sort of punishing him, playing politics. Mm-hmm. I don't know because I don't watch these things every day. But when we're suddenly short on a whole lot of stuff that comes from China, you got to wonder. You know, the Chinese didn't stop making this stuff. Yeah, because then they'd put their people out of work, wouldn't they? But this whole COVID thing—it's definitely going to change the 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 financial demographics of the country. It, it's changing them drastically. So how bad that's going to get and how fast? I mean, I think it's a win for us because more and more people are becoming awake to, to the fact that there are serious problems that aren't being solved politically and that can't be solved politically. So I think it's a plus for us. I really do. I, I really do think that more and more whites are being driven to at least the awareness that there are some underlying problems that can't be fixed. And, and with this government and and with with this race issue. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, uh, this was meant to be a question that I asked before, but I don't know if it has much to do, but I think it's interesting regardless from an outsider's perspective. I sort of saw how Florida, at least in the recent, you know, particularly in regards to this pandemic, about how they're at least trying to, you know, take things easier. I think Ron DeSantis banned uh, the the craziness about masks and the such. And I've been wondering about another state in particular that I like, which is um, not geographically speaking, but Alaska. Is Alaska another bastion, so to speak, to run away when, you know, society goes insane and everything, or... Not really. I think it's more of a curiosity than anything. I think most of the inhabitants of Alaska are concentrated in just a few cities and and that it's really been tending towards liberalism the last 20 years, that it's just as liberal as Montana really is and and Washington and Oregon. Yeah, I was looking uh, at the demographics of it before, and it seems like a lot of Asians are moving there. They have quite a few Native American reserves. Um, plus, there's a whole bunch of spics that are moving up to the up the West Coast. Um, it's kind of looking darker and darker in my mind. Plus, there's some there's places in Alaska where it's like you just can't even go anywhere unless you use the boat to get to your island or whatever. Those are easy kills. <laughs> I don't think Alaska would be a good fallout place just because for one, the you're going to have a lot of weather, you know, climate related issues. And if you don't have, you know, power of some sort, you're going to be in a world of hurt up there. Yeah. Alaska is pretty hard living. I mean, there's roads in the middle of nowhere that don't even connect, connect to roads. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think the focus would be less on, Finding a bastion, not saying that's what you're seeking necessarily, mm-hmm. but um, obviously being removed from cities and Babylon as much as you can. Um, but I don't know, Alaska is hard living unless you're unless you really like fishing or living in the woods and hunting. <laughs> I mean, 
uh, I think you're, you're going to find a whole new set of problems if you're not still living in that area. Yeah. Well, how is that different from most of Minnesota? <laughs> it ain't a lot. It ain't a lot. <laughs> it's just as damn cold most of the year. Oh, no. no. First of May, it was 85 degrees. I wanted to ask Dasho. Dasho, is Virginia still heavy on the mask loss? Heavy on the what? And COVID restrictions? Heavy on the what? I'm sorry? The mask laws and the COVID restrictions. Um, yes, uh, the, the mask laws are still in place. I, I, I don't really want to dignify them by calling them laws. It's a, it's a mandate by the governor, which has absolutely no weight whatsoever. But, but yes, those are still in place, although a lot of people are just ignoring them. Melissa and I were through the last, well, really the first week of March and the last couple of days in February. We went through South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee, but we missed Virginia this trip. I didn't get into Virginia at all, which is rare. And we ignored all the signs at all the stores that wanted us to wear masks and all the restaurants, and we didn't get thrown out of anywhere. There was one place we stopped in Gatlinburg on, on the way home. There was one place in Pigeon Forge that we walked out of because they wanted us to put a mask on. It was one of the distilleries, Sugarlands, I believe. And we wouldn't do it. We walked out. But everywhere else we went, we had um, no problem. And most people were ignoring them. And, and that was encouraging. It took them a year, but they were finally ignoring the mask mandates in South Carolina, North Carolina. I was surprised. And, and Tennessee. Just, uh, just just in the last week, I went to a uh, a meeting of uh, important uh, Republican donors uh, for the state of Virginia. Uh, a few of the people there don't don't uh, they aren't signed onto the Republican Party, but they consider themselves conservatives. There were a few libertarians there as well, and uh, it was it was a really nice place. It was a lot more upscale than I would have been ever ever able to get into if it was just me and my name and my money. That's for sure, but. Um, while we were there, it was a few people gave some speeches, and then every, it was just about an hour and a half of mingling and talking to people, uh, and doing stumping for things, asking for donations, talking to other people. Every everybody there uh, didn't didn't believe the virus was real or thought it was exaggerated. Uh, they thought the masks were nonsense, and they uh, they were talking about copying some of the laws that have been passed or put up in front of legislature in other states to essentially force uh, things like constitutional carry to, to enshrine them in, in, in ways that it can't be repealed or to, uh, to otherwise do things that would, in my opinion, no one, no one said the S word, no one said secession, but it would be, it would be things that would be a step in that direction, right? More state sovereignty and less, less reliance on the federal government. So, in in my opinion, the uh, the the political climate is definitely becoming more volatile. These are these are Republican donors. These are people who who give foot the money for things. Uh, if they're talking about this, then I consider that to be pretty important. Too bad they forgot the most important: no niggers. Well, they're Republicans. No niggers in my gay bathhouse. 
uh, our town is actually doing like a strategic uh, vision for the for the town for 2040. And um, from what I gather is that they received a lot of racist comments back as part of the you know community engagement. And um, well, that was encouraging because and and part of that is um i, I believe it's what you you call downtown or we call the the, the mall or the, the main shopping precinct of the town kind of thing and you know what ends up happening is all these beautiful spaces get made uh to try and bring in shoppers and boost the shops because they're not getting enough because people are online nowadays um but really all it all it does is attracts the uh the the unwanted it attracts the undesirable types to that to that area uh in our case aboriginals that just sit around there and use up all the benches and chairs and just smoke all day and um yeah it's not really a pleasant place to go down it, looking at these people sort of just lingering there all day and smelling the place out but you know it doesn't matter how much money you throw at trying to make the area beautiful it's yeah that the content of the society that the people and who you share it with you know you want to feel safe and in, enjoy other people's company um yeah th those are real heart issues that people are having and they're letting them know and th these types of responses you have to put your name to them so there are some people out there that are, you know, sticking their necks out, and which is good to see. Yeah, definitely. You're muted, Bill. Thank you. How do you know I was trying to talk? And if you're looking for a state that's good on COVID restrictions, I think that South Dakota governor is probably better than DeSantis and more understanding of, of constitutional liberties and and the the barriers that should exist between um government and violation of those liberties or, or the at least the oppression of those liberties is that christy noam and and i don't know much about her but she was right on the COVID thing from the beginning she refused to to um make any sanctions or anything like that in South Dakota. She was way ahead of DeSantis. DeSantis cucked out at first. And it took DeSantis three months of cucking out to, to get him to come around and take the position that he has now. But he, at first, he was all for the COVID restrictions, locking down a state, requiring masks. And, and he went right along with it for at least three months. I think he found out it wasn't very popular in Florida, and 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 he changed his tune. But that Christy Noam in South Dakota, she was on the right side of it from the beginning. She wouldn't impose any sanctions. Noam is a weird name, but it's supposedly Norwegian. I think it, it's spelled with an M. So how could it be Noam? I'm, I'm kind of making a joke, but it doesn't make any sense to me. 
Yeah, this is good. I, I guess, like I said in the chat, uh, my question about, you know, pretty much Alaska is, is because I'm, I'm used to watching, you know, those Discovery Network, Discovery Channel programs about survivalists that live in the wild, have to face hardships. So I saw it and I said, hmm, that could be a place, despite the weather, despite the difficulties. But now they're taking into consideration all that you guys uh, put in perspective. It's an interesting too. I didn't know that about that in South Dakota. Thanks, Bill. Well, Dasho, they were talking succession here in, in Bay County, Florida. I have to pr try to revisit those people. I was actually planning on doing it this weekend. The Bay County, Florida Republican Party. I'm going to visit their Facebook page probably tomorrow or Sunday morning and see if they're still talking about secession. Because yeah, they were publicly and openly a couple of months ago, back in February. Yeah, I've been, I was listening to your, uh, to your League of the South podcast with uh, Dr. Hill uh, earlier today. I didn't get through all of it, but uh, it seems it seems as though secession and states' rights is the is the hot is the hot topic of the of the year. Everyone seems to be really fed up with it, and the uh, the COVID restrictions and the mask requirements seem to have seem to have brought a lot of people into thinking more into our way of things than we've ever had before at any point in my lifetime. Well, that's why I think all this is good for us. I think COVID is good for us. I hope it lasts three more years. I I would reelect COVID. I I'm I'm down for four more years. <laughs> if we if we get another term of COVID, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get a civil war. Maybe maybe we'll get a we'll get a declaration of states' rights and secession from some people. Well, we don't know what it's going to take for people to hear that call to come out of Babylon. Or even when we finally reach that tipping point that the announcement is made or that trumpet sounds, I don't know when it's going to happen. Nobody can guess when it's when it's going to happen, but it's got to be something. And and the, that the more that the people are oppressed, it, that's the pattern in the Book of Judges, right? That the Canaanites come and they oppress the children of Israel, and then the children of Israel cry out to Yahweh God. So if that's what it takes, that's what it's going to take. That's the pattern we've seen all throughout history. It, it, we can't expect this to be different. That They're not going to wake up one day and all of a sudden look at their iPhones and know that they have to come out of Babylon and, and repent of their race mixing and their sin. That ain't going to happen. Well, I've said, I've said and I hope it's an indicator of Babylon stretching out its hand too far. And yeah, you never know. Uh, it following, following, falling under its own weight, excuse me, is hopefully coming sooner than later. Yeah, I honestly, sometimes I can't wait for Babylon to go down seriously. Well, that's why we need the uh, Christogenia app, and then we can send them updates. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but if Babylon falls, you're going to have no cell service and no internet, so let's think this through before we wish uh, damnation on us. Come on now. It's, it's Wednesday right today, and, and this day... Uh, now, now is your time to repent. This in is Egypt. your 10-minute warning. Were they calling out to God in Egypt when they were sore oppressed? So there's the pattern there too. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the main problem nowadays uh, that I see is that there's a distraction for everything. So people can, you know, take the shot. On everything, oh, TV series, games, uh, whatever, 
So it's something is going to fall. When I, I think when uh, you know the power goes out, so you cannot play video games, you can't do you know the usual things that people distract. They may say, "Oh dear, what do I do?" I'm sorry. I keep trying to talk when I'm muted, even when I mute myself. So that that Joe, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a point that I try to make in the Wisdom of Solomon where Solomon ended wisdom with his discussion of Egypt and Sodom. And in the revelation that the great city is called Egypt and Sodom. And when we look around us today, we have plenty of Sodom. We don't have quite enough Egypt and it's coming. If the Democrats have their way, especially. Yeah, we definitely need more Egypt so that people will realize well, it's got to get to some point eventually where they do. I don't know what that point's going to be. It's just going to be painful for those of us who, who believe we know what's going on. It's going to be more and more painful. In this society, you have all kinds of crazy freedoms, you know, these disgusting freedoms we hate to be a sodomite and to let your kid be mutilated. But people forget the freedoms we used to have. And, you know, we're in, we're in bondage to this sodom. Well, they're going to want the old freedoms back pretty soon. Yeah, you're right, Joe, because uh, I was thinking about this. Sorry if someone wants to speak. It's just that I want to compliment. Um, it's about, you know, those freedoms that I call freedoms, which is essentially, oh, you're, you have a freedom to be a degenerate, but to, be, to have freedom to, you know, follow your path, you know, for and righteousness, no, 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 because then you're being hateful. No, get out of here with that thing. You know, I'm tired of listening to that. Just love is love, unless it's love for God or His people. Yeah, hating hate is hating your brothers. So, PV, what's happening? I see that you're awfully quiet. Oh, can you not hear me? Well, no, I just haven't. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I just haven't had much perspective to share. So. Well, I've got a guest that wants to say hello if this mic is working. Yeah, what's up, Brett? How's it going, man? Wonderful. Just another Friday night. Except I didn't have to write anything this week. Well, uh, I've heard it's been a long week for a lot of people. Yeah, I dealt with the... Air conditioning, HVAC people all day yesterday. My air conditioner broke down again, and it's only 11 years old, and the typical lifespan is like 15 years. But the air handler was so clogged with debris and dirt, all the coils, and, and it's like kind of cemented in there. So we're just going to replace the whole unit. So that's what I dealt with yesterday. Yeah, it's a whole world of fun there. Ooh. All the time, let me tell you. It's always something. But at least I'll have a brand new air conditioning system. <laughs> and well, hopefully it'll last the next 12, 15 years. Who all we have on here so I can say greetings to that I have never uh, heard before? Oh, I don't know if you know any of them, Brett. You're not in the chats in the forum. I'm not twisting your arm, but. Hey, Brad. Hey, Brad. Zephiel's here. You've met him. Hope to see you again soon. Zephiel's supposed to be coming down soon. 
So you All will right. see me soon. Bring a sweatband. Bring a sweatband. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Put you through your paces on that. Uh, and bug spray. Uh, Bill, was that from the flood? All that damage? No. No, it's just old. It's just old, and I found that the old owner didn't even – he had a permanent type filter in it, but it wasn't even the right size. It wasn't even a proper filter, and I have to make some changes. Yeah, so that sucked up a lot of bad stuff up through it probably. Oh, I went under it and looked under it myself. It was horrible, but I didn't even know it was there, right? I don't know how that stuff's made. I don't know how an air conditioning system works. I'm sorry I don't. It It has this coil on the bottom of the – Air handler. It's that same type of stuff that your car radiator is made out of. And and it looked like somebody plastered it. That's what it looked like. That's how bad it was. Clogged. So the, the air handler was actually frozen over on the inside. But I couldn't see that. Well, so it's uh, a wonder we like had. Uh, kind of like the Judeo-Christian community when they get all iced over from all the bad hearings huh yeah i just um i'm not aware enough of of how stuff works around my house i'm a city boy i grew up in the city not anymore i guess yeah but when you see a snake you know how to shoot (laughs) yeah i could shoot a snake but i was doing that in the city (laughs) <laughs> just a you different kind of thing. The Jews in the city. <laughs> I wish. <sighs> Maybe they wouldn't let me out of prison, though. Well, I'm waiting for that one day where you just get real um, irritated with the snakes and take a nice pick to them. That might be all you have left by then. Some of those snakes are fast, though. I don't know if I could chase them with an ice pick. <laughs> hey, Bill, I was wondering, because um, just to change the topic a little bit, uh, you were talking about writing an article for the Book of Job. Or is that still something that you're working on, or is that something that you're thinking maybe later on after uh, your commentary on the uh, books of John? Yeah, that would be a that that's a back burner. I, I mean, there's a lot of projects I would like to work on, but not all of them that I have time for. But Job is definitely on the back burner. It's definitely one of the things I would like to do. I don't know if a full commentary on Job, verse by verse, is really that necessary. That would take forever, and and I think it would be way too repetitive. Job's friends just being a bunch of sycophants that justify themselves and try try justifying themselves and kissing the ass of God and stepping all over Job is the way I see it generally. But and I don't know if yeah, I don't know if an entire verse by verse commentary would be a good thing to spend my time on. I'd rather move on to like the major prophets or something like that. But I want to do a Genesis commentary after Revelation. I mean, that was my thought four years ago, five years ago. Everything I'm doing now, I thought about 10 years ago, right? I just didn't th- think it would take me this long to get it done. I, I mean, I didn't expect 
three and a half years of Paul of Tarsus. I didn't expect a whole 51 podcasts of John, right? I really didn't. On your revelation, uh, you think we're still about where you said we were in the 14th chapter, or you think we're progressing? Well, you're muted. No, we're not. Or is Bill muted? Oh, Bill's, Bill's muted. muted. Wow. <clears throat> wow. So there's a... I'm sorry, I was muted when Brett spoke. I believe we're at the 17th chapter of Revelation. After we've given our kingdom over to the beast, that's what I said in Christreich. Of course, I stand by that today. The, um, the next significant thing that happens is the fall of Babylon, and that's what we await. I mean, the whole world is being ruled over by these by, by this beast that was and is and was not and is to come. That this seventh, that this eighth beast, that is of the seven, right? I, I mean, it's the world banking system. It's the Jewish banking system. It's the dragon that had given its power to all the other beasts in the past. The abomination that maketh desolate. desolate. That too. And it makes everything desolate. Look at what it's already done to half the cities in North America or or more. Or hell, look at the South. Oh. Shit. And our countries and our are being countries. made desolate and they're, they're full of abominations and every dirty bird, which I hate. Well, I'm looking forward to redoing the Revelation. I'm, I'm going to start on First John next week, though. I don't know how long it's going to take me to cover the epistles of John. I don't think it's going to take more than four or five weeks, but I always say that and it always ends up coming a lot more than what I say. So I can't guess. <laughs> it is what it is. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say too, I'm enjoying, you know, uh, the a hundred proofs about your commentaries about 100 proofs. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, most of it is a rehash of my other work, but it gives me a chance to say things in, in perspectives that I hadn't said them in in the past. And I think that Truthvids has given some really good input. Even when he doesn't say a whole lot, he always seems to have some kind of fresh perspective that makes me think of something in a different way and go on these long digressions. So it, it's, yeah, I think it's been fun. Tomorrow night, it's chapter one of Malachi with truth fits. The corrupted priesthood. I couldn't even get to chapter two, but it was a kind of relatively short program tomorrow night. It was only an hour and a half. So do you think uh, truth fits is going to finish uploading all of his episodes this uh, decade? You know, he just got back to work. So... Maybe not. I mean, <laughs> you may not see the last of the hundred proofs until about twenty thirty-five or something. He just he just went back to work. His vocation, the the gyms were just reopened where he lives. Well, good for him. So he'll have less time now for video editing. And video editing is painstaking work. It takes a long time to edit a decent video. I've done little tiny snippets of videos and like 
it, it was a pain in the butt. I, I mean, there was a little learning curve involved there, but it's still pretty painstakingly difficult to, to do video editing and do it well. Well, I've been thinking that the only law we had in Genesis was to not keep, um, to not touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the only law we had. And within that law, doesn't that encapsulate the two first laws that Christ told us to keep, which was to love your God with all your heart and to love your people, love your neighbor as yourself? Not that, so he, they're not the only two laws he told us to keep, but they're the two laws that the rest of the laws all hang on. So I'm thinking, you know, if we kept that law in Genesis, that would have been the whole of the law. That would have been the only law we ever needed because our societies would not have descended into hell if we had kept that first law in Genesis. Those first two laws that everything else is based on is encapsulated in that law in Genesis. So there's a hierarchy of the law. I agree. I, I totally agree. It's we should have a natural care and a natural affection for one another and a natural respect towards one another that we shouldn't need laws at all in, in order to survive in the world and to have a vibrant Christian community. What did Paul say in, in Romans about the laws being for those who break the law? The or laws are for the the law stands for you if you keep the law, if you walk in the spirit, right? You don't need the law. And and I forget exactly how Paul said it, but the laws are for those who break the law. The, the, if, if we didn't have the influence of Jews in our society and the presence of, of niggers and all of these other monsters that are really walking devils, imagine what the kingdom of heaven will be like. If we didn't have them, I, I mean, that's it's evident in recent American history. But when you look at how um, law enforcement officers were in early television programs in Adam 12 and Mayberry, when they were in communities that were almost entirely white, it was laid back that they really didn't have to, um, that they wouldn't have ever thought about being militarized like they are today. This militarized police force, it is basically required to handle that these feral apes that we think are people, and they're not people, and they shouldn't be roaming free in our society. Yeah, well, they figured out they make something bigger for chimpettes. Sorry, Daniel. Yeah. Well, in Genesis, we only needed one law, and that one law seems to encapsulate the two first laws that Christ told us about. You know, love thy neighbor as thyself and love thy God with all thy heart, because if you're clinging to your own tree, you're clinging to God, you know, in Genesis there, you know, you don't touch that other tree. You only need one law then. So there's a hierarchy in the law that Christ is actually talking about. Those two first laws, you know, they're above all the rest of the laws. You only need those laws, you know, if that's all we needed in Genesis. But that's not all we need now because we're living in this land with all these other creatures around. So now we need to be told, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't fornicate. Whereas they shouldn't even be here. We wouldn't need those laws 
if they didn't exist. So in the kingdom, you know, are we going to have laws about, you know, don't let those strangers into your land because they're not even going to exist. So the only law probably will be very much like the law in Genesis. And about the law as well, uh, you know, the list of laws gets longer for, and it changes between people because whatever you do out of a bad conscience, that is sin to you. So even if you were to try to write laws, you know, it, you couldn't write them for everyone because someone would do something that they feel offended about doing or they're not too sure, you know, peer pressure. Peer pressure is giving in to peer pressure is a sin. Um, That's breaking the law. And you have to think about also in this Babylon, the authority behind the law has changed. Now the authority behind the law is Satan, whereas the authority behind the authority behind the law in Genesis was God. And the authority behind the law for the Israelites was God. And then these Jews, come, the ancestors of the Jews come along and they're claiming their authority comes from God and Christ challenged them on that and showed that their authority didn't come from God and the authority of the society we live in today, it doesn't come from God. So will it stand? It can't stand because it has no authority from God. And if it doesn't have that authority, it, it's not going to last forever. You know, I th- well, that, what you've said about the law, the one law, People don't even, Christians don't even understand that law. And, and you really can't understand that the conclusion you made is fine, it's valid, and, and I agree with it. But Christians can't get to that point without our point of view. The, the first two, the hierarchy of the law that Christ spoke about, the um, love thy neighbor and love thy God, is that what you mean? Because most Judeo-Christians don't even think about that. No, I, I mean, I would challenge anybody to, to go to their Judeo pastor and ask them what law was broken in Genesis chapter 6. What law was broken that forced God to execute all of those people? And why did he, pun- if there was no law, why did he punish those people? Because not even Cain was killed according to the law for the murder of Abel, ostensibly because there was no law. Their answer would be it's original sin. And then you ask them what's original sin, a blah, 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 Catholic church. What does that mean? What does that mean? doesn't mean nothing. You know, not even the CI light um, one seed line school of Christian identity can get that right. Because if you ask them what was the sin in Genesis, they'll say, oh, Eve committed a thought crime or Eve was just being mean one day and it was a sin or so you know so when you ask them how did she break the law not to touch the trick touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil even these one seed liners who are supposedly christian identity they can't even get that right so what what hope does a um judeo-christian have with the kike you know whispering in the ear but that's because the one seed liners and and even these these what what these clowns that call themselves former two seed line scholars recently, and he's just a clown. Well, well they want to see race as as something gray and not as something black and white. We see race as something 
concrete and black and white. You're, you are either of the tree of life or you are of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's nothing else. There is no in-between. There is no gray area where you might somehow fit into God's creation, even though you're not Adamic. There is none, and they don't want to come to grips with that. Yeah, you're right, Bill, because I saw them say um, God did create the non-whites. That's why they're called beast. I see. I saw them say stuff like that, and I said, God isn't going to you know, create something evil. But they, they do. They claim that God did create the bastard races. They actually claim that. So that that is tantamount to blaming God or accusing God as being the author of the sins of men. Yeah, as if he's going to break his own law and create bastards, which is, you know, and I don't see how, the, you know, it's origin and destiny, as we always say. That's what we say in Two Seedline. And so if these non-whites have a destiny in the pits of hell with Satan, then how could they have originated with God? And they don't get that. I don't know how they can be CI scholars if they can't even get basics right. And basically to come up with a doctrine like that you don't have a proper methodology to scripture because you're not going to be able to do that unless you're screwing something up somewhere and you're you're you know going you're destroying the scripture basically you know you're claiming cain was of that wicked one who was that wicked one was it god was it adam uh, you know they they don't even think about verses like that or, you, or like what you were saying the start, Bill, they don't think about versus, you know, what was Eve's sin exactly? A thought crime? You know, what was her sin? If there's only one law. Well, well I mean, that's what Ted Wheeling tried to make it was a thought crime. And, and where is a thought crime ever punished in the Bible? Yes, Jesus said that when you look on a woman, a gune, not a parthenos, a woman, a married woman, and covet her that you've already committed adultery in your heart. But adultery in your heart is not punishable under the law. There's no act of sin, and only acts of sin are punishable under the law. You have to act on it. So yes, adultery in your heart, and, and that's a warning that you shouldn't think like that, that you shouldn't do those things. He's warning the apostles. You've already committed adultery in your heart, so therefore you'd better not look at women and lust after them. It's that simple. It's a warning, but it's not a condemnation. Condemnation is only for acts, not for thought crimes. There's not one thought crime that's punished under the law. Except covetousness. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be? How would how would you how would you do it? But anyways, does, isn't there a prayer? You know, create a clean heart in me, things like that. So it's sort of agreeable to that. Like, create a um, good heart in me, lead me in your ways, let my eye be single. Those sorts of prayers. Yeah, you know the Ten Commandments say, "Thou shalt not covet," but is covetousness alone is that punished? unless it's acted on. I mean, okay, let's say I come over to your house this Sunday for a beer, and I see that you got a pretty new red Corvette sitting in your driveway. And I think, wow, that's a nice car. I'd love to have one of that. 
Could that be interpreted as covetousness? And would I be punished for saying that? I don't think so. No, because covetousness is not saying, hey, you got a nice car. I would like to work and earn a car like that one day. Covetousness is saying, no, I want your car to take your car from you. Like, I want your wife. No, not another good-looking white woman. No, specifically your wife. Right, and that's acting on it, I believe. That That's acting. That's an action that's a sin. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, with uh, Daniel. It's like with David and uh, Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. Isn't there a verse in Isaiah that says, "Condemn a man for a word"? So just because a man says a word, isn't necessarily going to condemn him. Like if he says, "You're you've got a nice car," he could be saying that for a thousand different reasons. But then if he like covets your car somehow by stealing it, I guess, or in his actions, he's coveting money and things like that. That's actions, isn't it? Well, well, right. If I'm hoarding up money because I think that it's going to do something for me, if I'm putting my trust in, in the accumulation of riches, especially at the expense of my brethren, my kin, my people, I'm, I'm not um, distributing equitably to help my own people or feed my own family, and instead I'm hoarding money, That then that's covetousness. And... and even that isn't directly punished by the law. Even though it's it's highly discouraged, it's not you're not going to be stoned because you have a stash of money in your household in your closet or something. Right? Could it still come back to as well, like uh, the root of all evil being the love of money? Um, it's not a sin to have money. It's like you said, it's it's the actions out of it, hoarding it, taking it, stealing it. Well, if all the law hangs on like love your neighbor and love your God, how are you helping your neighbor if you just love money? You, you're probably you screwing him over somewhere. Yeah, you know, Joe, I have to get back to the garden, you know, uh, where he said don't, don't touch uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You know, first of all, we have to realize that there was a war in heaven, according to Revelation 12. And that war caused hatred toward God. And God's love, by telling Eve not to touch the tree, he knew what it was going to bring. And so ultimately, what I'm trying to say is, in the kingdom, we should have overcome and know what love is. So if we love God first then there wouldn't be any more sin because to love God is the keeping of the commandments and Christ said to love God with all your heart and soul and body and love your brother just like it and so ultimately we have to rebuke touching the tree of malice good and evil because that's what started the war in heaven was the hatred towards God I believe and and we got a hard lesson to learn as his children but ultimately, the only law that's going to be is love. In the kingdom, that you say. That makes sense? Yeah, it does. So you, you say that in the kingdom, the only law we really need is those first two. is Like, love your neighbor and love your God. Amen. Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree with that. And um, we know there's going to be law in the kingdom because I think there's a verse in Revelation and it's spelled out elsewhere that the, the law is forever, even in the kingdom that's coming. 
And obviously, if Christ is ruling as king in that kingdom, his law will rule the land. And that's probably all we'll need, JD, is the right. first two, love your neighbor and love your God, because there aren't going to be any bastards around. You know, exactly. So you don't have to worry about, you know, stealing and murder, because Cain was the first murderer. He introduced exactly. murder into the world. So we're not going to have murderers. We're not going to have sodomites. There's a, there ain't going to be any We're faggots. not going to have anybody coveting your wife. They're going to be loving God. They're, we're going to be loving our brother. And we're going to be walking in the commandments. That, that's true love, is walking Amen. in the commandments. And okay. when you walk, let me, when let you me walk in the commandments, go ahead. All right. So the Bible says that Christ rules with an iron staff or an iron rod, right? So in the new kingdom, if there's not going to be any fallen angels, no Jews, no etc., just us, if Christ is ruling with an iron rod, um, it means he's inflexible, right? So I don't believe, you know, we'll have any outside influence to cause us to sin in the coming kingdom, but also the angels didn't have any influences and they decided whatever process they went through to sin against God. So it's probably always going to be around. There's always going to be that danger. Well, that rod, I think that rod, as a father, I should break it over my son's back if he ever race mix or commits adultery with uh, anything like that. So you break the rod over your child's back. But that ruling with the iron rod, I think it'll keep it straight. But, I mean, we're talking about genuine love. Not programming. I don't think there's going to be any danger of, you know, bastards coming back or anything. But yeah, in, go ahead, wasn't y'all. Genesis the paradise? You know, Genesis is the paradise and the kingdom's the paradise to come. And in, in Genesis, we've only got that one law. And in the paradise to come, we only really need those two laws. I believe it. I believe we only need, like, love your yeah. God, love your neighbor. And that's the paradise. That's yeah. Coming. And you know, and I don't, I don't know if Genesis was actually the true paradise, as some would say, because we were told to subdue, and we wouldn't have to subdue if there wasn't a war going on. Yeah. We wouldn't have to, t- we wouldn't have to take over anything. You know, I think the true kingdom will be when our father returns and he burns all these bastards up, and then we can get back to what he intended in his creation. Yeah. Because Adam was told to tread down the wicked, and that was the exactly that so that, that war, that war was still going on exactly, and that's, and that, that, that's right. I think that's what the darkness was described in Genesis. I think one or two, uh, where it says, "And darkness was up on the face of the deep." I think it's all ties together somehow. And that's I a good point because um, you know. in Revelation we see that Christ is the only light that we need there's only light exactly. there is no, there's no um, night anymore you know so, so, so Adam Adam lost his commission he failed in his commission in sin he didn't tread down the wicked like he was supposed to and then Christ comes and fulfills Adam's commission in Adam you know in his place and then all we have is the light like you say JD exactly right so there's, there's a difference between light and darkness. And we know that the children of God is of the light. So it, it all, it, I think it's all going to come back to the one kingdom with our father, with genuine love for each other and our father. And we won't have to worry about these corruptions anymore. 
Right. And, you know, some people say this is the hate zone, but really it's the love zone around here. Exactly. <laughs> and not as the Judeo-Christians teach, God is love. He loves everybody. No, he don't. He only loves Jacob. Yeah, this is the real love zone. Because how can you even... That's not real love. That's the shallow kind of love they believe in. Love, We love everybody exactly. and everything, which is nonsense. Exactly. That's yeah. how I kind of yeah. see it. Sorry, JD. Just, just a compliment. Because, you know, to the Judeos and even to the rest of the world, God loves and tolerates everything. Oh, but you are a sodomite, a race mixer, this, this. Oh, it doesn't matter. God will forgive you. He will do this or do that. Right. And you know, go ahead. And one thing that I think is going to help us help that love that we're supposed to have, the Adafe love, is for the fact right now we're being trialed with hating. I mean, we're, we're tested, we're exercising all these things. To, there's a time to love, time to hate, time for war, time for peace, but we're all, the Adamic man is being exercised. In every one of these areas. So ultimately, ultimately, I think love's going to win. And I know it's going to win because it was promised to us. That makes sense? Well, it's like the um, tried in the fire, JD, and all that's left is love, which is like the gold. After, you know, after this world, the trials of this life, they're like the fires that um, produce the love. The love is refined. In us. Right. In the and, then, and then it's going to fall into the category of what Daniel talks about, those that wake up in everlasting contempt and shame. And yes, we will love our brother. And God, I have to deal with that part. I think, you know, the, the kikes, they are right. Love wins, but not the Absolutely. love they're talking about. Exactly. They're just a bunch of haters anyways. <laughs> they just yeah, hate us they don't know what love is and you know the Jews had their revenge they're getting their revenge and they were ostracized for so many years and they got their emancipation and now we have what they call cancel cultural uh, woke we, we got all this stuff politically correct it's all geared towards hating the white man because we're God's children well, how can they know love if God doesn't love them? You know, they exactly. weren't created in love. And, you know, like we are talking about before, um, their idea of love is just sodomy. You know, it's, it's don't judge all these sodomites who are doing all these disgusting things and tolerance and acceptance. That's not love. That's just sin. You know, they, they try and twist it all around. You know, love is hate. Hate is love. All this stuff that, in so the Jew kind of love, the, the love the Jews believe in is just Sodom and Gomorrah. The love we believe in is like marriage and families and love for your folk and helping each other, working for each other. That's the love we believe in. We don't believe in the love that they tell us about because that's that's a lie. That's evil. It is, it isn't love, and they're not going to exactly know right. love, and they're not going to know his law. His law is love. They're not going to know any of that because they don't come from him. Because I don't care they're the, what right, they're the progeny. They're progeny of the fallen angels who rebelled against that love. Hey, don't forget this. Isaiah 5, versicle 25. Go, woe to you that call, you know, good, evil, evil, good. 
that's pretty much what's in effect. Isaiah 5. Oh, it is. And, you know, God's law is love. You know, and that's Amen. the love that was in the beginning and that's the love that will be there in the end. They don't when know that love. They can't live what? according to his law. Nope, they can't. It's not, it's not their inherent nature. Their inherent nature is to destroy everything that God created. Well, they call it hate. It really kind of is hate for them, but that's because they're contrary to his love. Right. So our hate towards them is godly. The Bible gives a definition of love at Leviticus 19, verse 9. It says, and when, <clears throat> and when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of the field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. And thou shalt not glean the vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of the vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie to one another. And you shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbour, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shalt fear thy Lord. I am the Lord. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honour the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shall thou judge thy neighbour. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbour. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbour and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. I am the Lord. That's the first place that appears in scripture. <clears throat> it's the only place it appears in the law, I believe. And it, it proves several things. First, it actually defines what a neighbor is as one of the children of thy people. But second, and, and just as significantly, where Christ says that upon those two commandments hang the whole law, that proves that the commandments which he insists that we keep are greater than just the Ten Commandments. Amen. Because that, Amen. that commandment to love thy neighbor as thyself is not in the Ten Commandments. It's not even in the book of Exodus or in the book of Deuteronomy. It's only in the book of Leviticus. And yet it's Amen. one of the greatest laws because he put it up the top. Right. Yeah. Hierarchy. And that's going to be that's written in our hearts, you know, to to do to to love your brother and to love God. So, and we wouldn't need all those other laws if there wasn't no fallen angels, Jewish, or influences from any of these evil bastards. So, once they're all gone and burned up, hey, welcome to paradise. <laughs> I, I really, I really believe it's the providence and wisdom of God that. That commandment is only in Leviticus, and it forces us to consider all the other commandments in Leviticus the way Christ had used it in the gospel. So, so if that's the 
one of the chiefest of commandments, right? The second most important commandment. Then we also have to go on to consider everything else in Leviticus, not only in chapter 19, but in the surrounding chapters. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 11, a man that lieth with a man shall die. That they should both die. And and maybe that maybe that's not 2011, but it's right around there. <laughs> and all of those other commandments, we, we have to accept them all. And that's another thing that Judeo-Christians wouldn't be able to answer. Exactly. Yeah, they're like antinomians. And then you say, okay, well, should you murder someone or not? So they, they don't, they're antinomians, but they're, they do believe in the law at the same time. It's kind of hypocritical because they say, oh, all the law is done away with. It was all nailed to the cross, so don't judge anyone. And then it's like, okay, well, what about murder? Is that still wrong or not? You know? So you can, yeah, yeah you should ask them <laughs> yeah. that. The mainstream Christians, they um, they will go to Paul's uh, description of what love looks like in the New Testament, but they don't go to the definition in Leviticus. Well, I, I was thinking when, while Bill was speaking just before, you know, doesn't Christ say, you know, they'll know you um, by the love we have for one another? That's how um, people will know that we're his disciples. And if that love hangs on the law, well, then people will know where his disciples because we keep the law. And obviously the people who hate his law, like the Jews, they'll hate us. So they'll mm. hate us, but we'll, people will know where his disciples by keeping his law, which is the love. Yeah, it's a qualifying statement that the love we have for one another, the, the love between those people, not the love between those people and strangers they're outside that love well right they're outside that love because they're not neighbors they're not one of the children of thy people exactly yeah you know the baptists love that they call it it's their own law right it's bullshit but they made it up the law of first mention that the first time a, a term is mentioned in the bible that that's what defines the term so a neighbor is one of the children of thy people. Yeah. Because that's the first mention of it, of that Lord. Yeah, it defines your neighbor and it defines love in this in that same passage. It ties the two together. And, you know, I know Bill's talked about the word kindness and being kind to your own kind. And that's another example where that shows up. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, I have to give Clifton the credit for that. That was him. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Oh, right. <laughs> well, yeah, the so, um, not whites they exist outside the love of God. So that's um, and they um exist outside the world of love. You know, and we know that from John too, the first chapter of John. They're outside that world of love. Just thinking about what you were saying, Daniel. I wonder, you know. What's it really going to take to get all of our white brethren to uh, realize that we need to love each other? Because most white people, you know, as a whole, does not stick together. So there's going to be a hard lesson to learn for us to come to that loving your brother, you know, with all the hatred going on and Antifa. 
you know, siding with the enemy, the Judeo-Christian teaching the false heresies that they do. Uh, all these gatekeepers, I mean, they're going to have to be removed in order for for the rest of our people to see the light. So, I reckon we are sparks among the stubble when we show our love for each other. And we just have to keep walking with our love towards each other and maybe the other ones will wake up and see it. But if they don't, maybe that's what the everlasting shame and contempt is going to be about as well. I mean, not loving their brother. It's going to be a long, hard road to travel, but we're getting there. Some people are waking up and starting to realize that their skin color is going to make the difference. And so ultimately, love will win, but it's just it just seems so far away. It's going to take a miracle of Christ's return, I guess, to make that happen. I don't, I don't think there's any more revolutionary act that you could have in this day and age than to, to love your brothers, to love white men as a white man. There's no, there, there's nothing you can do that makes them angrier than that. They've they've invested everything they have to to make that as as repugnant and undesirable as possible, and it's it's also such a simple thing that even people who have been completely brainwashed can't really argue against it. There's nothing they can really say that makes sense against it. Oh, but you know, I I had experience with that. Judeos love to say that you're worshiping race instead of worshiping uh, Christ. Yeah, they'll just say you're a pagan. Or Jewish or something. You're not really worshiping race. You're embracing God's creation. And showing love for God, which is how he wants us to love one another by keeping his commandments. You should just just say to him. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. (laughs) You should just say to him, you know, well, what did Christ say about... um, the law, like you should love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? And then you've got him. Go ahead, Bill. No, that's a good answer. That's probably better than what I was going to say. But no, well, you don't got him then, because then they'll just say, "Well, I'm not Jewish." From the Judeo point of view, why should that law apply only to Jews? Isn't it an example for all of us? Maybe, maybe this is where they get the Catholic view of staying separate. Because you're not Jewish. Yeah, but Christ said it in the New Testament there. So you're not going to get away with that one. Nice try, though. For God so loved the world, you don't even... New Testament, or on the Old Testament, we have a new law, trademark signs. Yeah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't argue... Using the Old Testament, they'd go straight to, for God so loved the world. Then you can say, well, why are there two worlds in the New Testament? There's one he hates, and then there's one he came to save, and there's one he loves. You know, why does it say, um, he who loves the world hates God in the New Mm. Testament? Yes, and Caesar taxed the whole world. We're always going to go around in circles with Judeos. And the truth is, they're never going to get it until they get a good dose of Bubber and Leroy. Yeah. You know what I say to those Judeo-Targs? I always say, if God is love, 
How can there's only two verses in the whole Bible that says God is love? And that's all in First John. There's only two verses that says God is love. Well, he and, is, but it's lo- it's in his law and his love for his people because his law is love. So that's how we know his love. Yeah. He's also hate too, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't want to talk about he's, God is a jealous God, God is a warrior. Or, you know, They don't talk about any of that. But it's all just the God is of love. love. So all the thousand verses in the Bible, there's only two verses that said God is love. So they don't have a leg to stand on. And they're both directed at the uh, at his people. Well, so I like to think, you know, people say um, love. I mean, hate isn't the opposite of love. Love and hate aren't opposites. They're complementary because you have to, um, if you love something, you'll hate anything that threatens it. So hate and love aren't opposite. The opposite to love is actually fear people say and i think that's in the bible too because um one of the apostles said there's no fear in love so obviously but then we know that god hates and he loves i think you have a point there joe i did i didn't even think about this thank you that's pretty good joe damn good joe that's good you know, I think Joe is a pretty much, you know, a great complimentary member. I, I really appreciate his posts. And of course, exa- especially when you scold idiots, you know, that show, oh, but I don't know any of this. How can you say such a thing? And then you go around and say, look, the Bible says this. You are being foolish. I love when you do that on the forum. Oh, yeah, when I'm just trolling people like one seed liners and that. I'm just a humble troll. You know, I can't help but it's part of my nature. I just like trolling these one seed liners for some oh, reason. They're crazy. <laughs> these Joe, you gotta come to America. Me and you got some work to do, brother. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right, Zeph, they do say Edom was white, and it's like, okay, but they're uh-huh. cursed tribes. I mean, if if um they're white, why is it a sin to um to let a you know to marry a Canaanite, why was that a sin? And it does produce bastards. So I don't I don't see how e it's complete nonsense that Esau's descent not Esau himself was white, but he mixed his race and he lost the um covenant. He lost the um promises. And he made a it's bunch of clear, promises. It's planned. very clear that Esau lost the promises in Genesis chapter twenty nine, where where Isaac explicitly told Jacob that if you marry a woman of your own people, then the the promises of Abraham will fall upon you. And, you know, the daughters of Laban were pagan, just like the, you know, the Canaanites. You, you'd think the Canaanites would share more in common than these daughters of Laban that are in a different country and they've got these idols. But um, Isaac and Rebekah send... Um, Jacob to get a wife from there, they were pagan, so race is the issue. It's not religion, as these one seed liners try and claim that it that it was um religious. But it wasn't religious, right. it was race. But l- let me say something, right? It's taken so many years for us to formulate all of these arguments. But when I started in, in Christian identity, and I'm not taking credit for formulating anything, right? But when I started in Christian identity, none of these arguments were, were well thought out and formulated. None of them. They were all still questions. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was still a question. And 
it it's taken 25 years to to come to the, the to this development of our arguments the way they are now as advanced as they are now now we have all these answers and and we we just have to work better to get it out yeah it, it, and you, you can see rebecca's like what good is my life if um jacob also takes daughters of the land it's like what good is your life if your son or daughter marries you know a non-white your your whole heritage your whole line is destroyed you have no future you're dead basically and that's what she's saying she's not saying oh no you know esau married these women and they're of a, a different religion as if that even you know <laughs> it's just a joke one seed line it has so many crazy problems like i've seen them say you know so esau was white everyone's white but then um god created the non-whites the bible's only about whites but then there's these beasts so obviously they think the beasts are included in the bible narrative now they think that non-whites are part of the bible narrative but at the same time they say the bible's only about white people Oh, Joe, but what about the good blacks? Even those clowns, Joe, on, on that other forum that you've been arguing with, with certain people there, that they're all feelings-based. Those last answers that you had posted in the Christianity Forum that you received on certain inquiries were all feelings-based. They're just bitches. That They operate on feelings. Yeah, yeah they do. True. Yeah, there's no logic. Because I was thinking about this, uh, the thing we were discussing. You know, it isn't uncommon for me to see, probably on the internet, so it may be a troll. We gotta, we gotta think about that. But it was pretty much on a Twitter, uh, Catholic nationalist sort of thing. And the guy saying, oh, uh, you know, I'm gonna marry an Ethiopian. An Ethiopian Christian, because at least she is, you know, um, very religious. But he said in a kind of condescending way, saying, oh, these racists, they, they don't know. But, you know, in a trollish way, kind of saying, like, in your face, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to marry a black in that sense. And, you know, it just so why do this and and especially and they when they accuse you of saying, oh, but you're worshiping race, you're worshiping race, you, you know. It's, there's got to be a way to, you know, shut them up for real. Yeah, they think they're doing the work of God by marrying, intermarrying, and they're not. They're destroying the creation of God. But um, I've got one for you. How how come Moses married a nigger then? I mean, Moses married an Ethiopian woman, so I've got you there, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The Kushite, she was actually a Kushite, but Judeo-Christians today claim she was black. She thinks she was a Kushite a nigger. woman. They don't know anything. It's just like the one seed liners don't know anything. It always cracks me up when, when, when we have all of these thousands of pages of information online and people think we missed that one. <laughs> or, or Simon Niger or, or something stupid like that. And people think we didn't see that. Oh, yes. I think uh, there was a conf something Niger. Uh, I think even uh, Sloan uh, did an article about that. I think he was Niger because of, you know, his neck, not because of his skin color. I think he looked swarty. 
on that sense. He, he could have had good. just um, like Solomon had had raven hair, and and he could have been called Niger for that, which is only Latin for black. And and Europeans have given each other nicknames based on those features for for thousands of years. Yes, uh, even on you know that uh, atheist uh, fucktard, you know. Um, Bernard Cornwell, in his fictional stories, he's very, he was raised by a, a, a cult called Peculiar People, so he basically hates Christianity for, for that reason. And um, he, he usually says, you know, historically speaking, he says, she was dark, or for example, he was dark. But uh, since he writes in Europe, he says dark is, of course, the hair, not the skin color. Sometimes, sometimes dark could be a mood. That is a medieval figure, Hugh the Black, that that had to do with hair color. That there's look at the Roman name Rufus means red, and and that was a personal name and a given name quite often, and it meant red. So I'm sure that at least some Rufuses were named Rufus because they had red hair. And we call uh, blonde people snowy. And we call redheads bluey. In Australia, because we're smart asses, we call redheads bluey. And then so and then blondes are called snowy. <laughs> bluey. That's sort of what what's, Maybe it's because of their mood. Uh, I was gonna ask so green for blue? What? No, redheads. Redheads are bluey. I don't know what you mean. Why do they call them bluey? That's interesting, but it's weird. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I'd, I'd say it's just to be smart. Like okay. it's, it's... Maybe they're true blue because if they've got red hair, you know they're white. The, but most of the redheads I've known have had green eyes or brown eyes. Almost all the redheads I've ever known all my life had green eyes or brown eyes, never blue eyes. Yeah, but it's not. That's not why. It's not related to the eye color. I know okay. that much. You know, I'll look it up. I'll look it up quickly, and I'll get back to you, Bill. Yeah, it's. I mean, it doesn't have to be tonight, of course, but I. I just think it's odd. But like you said, Australians might just be smart asses. And about the thing, you know, uh, just a compliment that you were saying about um, Zipporah. I don't know how to spell her name. Sorry. Um, but he was, she was a Kushite, as Jethro was a Kushite, right? And I think even about uh, five, uh, 1500s, by the 1500s, there was a few remnants of whites in Ethiopia, weren't there? I think there was an icon of a saint, and he was relatively light-skinned. Well, if you look at all of the Ethiopian church art, and, and I did a podcast on this. I don't remember where or when. I did this within a podcast on another topic. All of the Ethiopian church art from up to the 6th century depicted white people. Now, some of the 6th century art depicted Arab types among the white people. But then, of course, Christian churches disappeared after the explosion of Islam. And the the Jesuit monks came back to Ethiopia in the 1500s and started building churches again and even reopening some of the old ones. Uh, 
And today in Ethiopia, there are these ancient churches that survived that still have this church art of white people, but all the new art is niggers. All of it. It's all blacks. And, and of course, the current population era is all black now. I, I don't, it's amazing to me that people don't get it just by looking at the church art. Like, why did these niggers make all these white, draw all these pictures of these white saints on their walls? <laughs> but they did. I mean, it's, I think a, sorry, Bill, uh, didn't mean to cut you off, but I think a similar situation happens in Egypt. I think even in India, uh, as a sort of matter, not by art, but I mean, uh, to think about all those street shooters building so many things from the Indus Valley, unlikely. And of course, Egypt being the biggest example. Yeah, of course. I don't think those um, squat monsters that dwell in those places today built anything. Central America or, or, or wherever we go. They built mud huts. I mean, you got to give them that, Bill, out of dung. Well, I've seen beaver huts up close and personal, and they're much better constructed. <laughs> In, in fact, mud wasps build better homes that, than the, the sub-Saharan Negroes. Mud people. But we have mud those, wasps. Those yeah, they call dirt daubers, right, James? But we have these wasps that, that actually construct their cocoons out of mud. And they're stuck all over my house. I mean, I find them all the time. I scrape them off and I stomp them. Because I, I really can't stand them. They're, they're unsightly. But they build these structures out of mud. Can you imagine a wasp flying back and forth with enough soil to build a, a big ball? Like, it'll fit in my hand like that, of, of mud. And when you break it open, inside the mud are, are their, um, their babies, right? Their, their eggs, with the next generation of wasps in them. And they, they put these things in, in that they try to kind of hide them out of the way, these insects and, and put them like under up under shelves and things like that, or on the back of the refrigerator I have downstairs or places like that. What were they? Conditioning do. units. Yeah, air conditioning units and things like that, right. I think it goes to show, you know, as a, to prove that uh, uh, even animals can be smarter than bastards, uh, the, the two-legged bastards. Because I think even the gorillas are the scathing example of that, you know. They can do things, they, don't, they aren't explosive. They can even solve, you know, uh, rational uh, puzzles. Yeah, there was a pretty good video comparison I have posted somewhere, I think, on Lithopolis of a monkey properly using a saw, a handsaw, and, and an American Negro who obviously could not use the saw properly. And and the monkey beat the Negro <laughs> by miles. <laughs> we should give it was monkeys pretty right. <laughs> to show how God's creation is right, you know, and that the rest is pretty much bastard. I'll tell you why we call redheads bluey, Bill. It started with the First World War, apparently, and they were just being smart asses. So 
in Australia, I think we have a lot of Irish blood. And so maybe it comes from the Irish blood. So during the First World War, they started calling redheads bluey. And the redheads apparently didn't mind it because at least they weren't being called gingers. So they actually liked being called bluey. And so every redhead man during the war would be called bluey. He'd be given the nickname bluey. There you go. No, it's almost as if, for example, an, a nigger, as someone called the nigger, for example, uh, I don't know, uh, another skin tone, and they, they liked it pretty much. So in World War One, you've got Blueys, Jerrys, Tommies. I think that was a trend. I think Tommies were pretty much the British soldiers, you know, Tommy, uh, pretty much from the Tommy Atkins thing. But what would a Jerry be? An Irishman? That's a German. Isn't it slang for a German? The yeah, yeah, German. Because of the jerry cans. Um, well, we call them jerry cans because of the jerrys. The jerrys because because of their helmet, was it? I guess it's better than being called a cabbage head. Hmm. Who's got that one? Isn't that the the French had a word for for the Germans that was basically a cabbage head? Yeah, but this wasn't crowd. It was something different, I think. I do know Fritz. I think it was Americans giving uh, you know um, common names for Germans. Okay, it's Bosch, B-O-C-H-E. And that was a French term for German soldiers. And it means cabbage head. Tete de caboche, or Bosch for short, B-O-C-H-E. However they would pronounce it. Maybe it's Boche or something. Who the hell knows? They're French. I don't despise the French, but I don't like their language because I always thought it was fe effeminate. <laughs> Yeah, I always thought that the pronunciations were effeminate. Maybe I'm just biased. Yeah, That's why I didn't take French in school. I mean, compared to the German, that you know, Guten Tag feels like a war declaration in comparison. Right, exactly. <laughs> I see we have some more people in here. What do we have? I was just reading what Zeph posted, and uh, that's where you get the expression, there goes a blue. Because when we say that they're having a blue, it means they're having a fight. They're arguing or they're, or they're about to have a punch-up. Yeah. Because uh, most of the redheads were Irish, and they were prone to fighting. So. Really? Is that where that comes from? Yeah, yeah. You're having a blue. It's You're having a blue. fighting. It means you're being a typical <laughs> Irish... <laughs> you know, fighter, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's pretty that's, funny. That's almost like, you know, the British expression smoking a fag. Oh, it's very different, I think, in English. Because, yeah, Americans and the British, I think they, they're pretty similar now, though. That was probably, you know, 50 years ago, they might have seen it that differently. You know, a faggot is a bundle of sticks. It's not that way anymore, though. <laughs> yeah, 
I, I, it's faggot with one G, right? Faggot, the, the bundle of sticks. Oh, is it different spelling then? Oh, well. No, that's two G's in English. I'm, I'm pretty sure. We had uh, lollies here. Oh, well, you'd call it candy. And oh. um, they were called fags, you know, and they were little, you know, white sticks of sugar and encouraging children to get smoking, I guess, by having these confectionery. Well, and cigarettes are... Yeah. A pack of cigarettes or a bundle of sticks or, or I guess a bunch of um, sodomites in one room could be a bundle of sticks in certain ways. Yeah, so that they were um, called they were fags, but they got changed to fads. Um, <laughs> so they're called fads now. So if you look at faggot on Wikipedia, it says that it's a noun and its primary meaning is offensive in North America, and it's a gay man. Wow. wow and its really second meaning those. is a bundle of sticks or twigs bound together as fuel. Yeah, so, so what are you saying? Toss the fags on the fire. Is that what you're saying? You know, exterminate the fags. Well, well I, I mean, isn't that what they did in the peat bogs? And isn't peat used as fuel in ancient Germany? According to Tacitus. Somebody at my work said that oh, the reason they were called fags is because when they were burning people at the stake, they would add on homosexuals to, to help. Like, they put the homosexuals on to make the fire hotter. They just throw some extra fags on. Yeah. I'm just thinking, that's nuts. It's it's going to dampen the intensity of the heat because it's exactly. water. You know. That's what the Jews claim about the Holocaust is, oh, the German Nazis got the fire going by chucking women on the fire, um, women's bodies on the fire because women's bodies have a lot more fat. And it's complete bullshit because most of the human body is water. So the, the Jews come up with all these nonsensical lies that don't make sense. Yeah, I cook my steak faster by chucking on another couple of raw steaks. I mean, it was real on their head. I mean, on their head it was real, so, you know. Yeah, they believe it. you got to believe it. That, that's actually what, what Waltheop is doing is he's just um, repeating some of their own propaganda, some of their own claims, because they've claimed – even some of these Jews that have admitted lying about the Holocaust have said it was real in their head, that they believed it. And, and that's their excuse. It's amazing how boldly they lie. And, and even when they're caught in a lie or when they ha are forced to admit the lie, they're still bold about it. It still doesn't bother them to be liars. I think no. even Hitler said that on Mein Kampf, right? That he would argue with Jews, and that the next day they would come up with a new lie. The big lie. That you know, that, people you say, know. "Oh, Hitler was the big lie," and it's like, no, he's he's not the liar. The Jews are. But you know what always <laughs> amazes me is these um expert detectives, professional investigators. They can't even get it right. Like if you're a professional investigator. You should look at the Holocaust and say, there's a lot of problems here. None of this adds up. None of it makes sense. And it, it's impossible, you know, for, for instance, the biggest, you know, point 
that you can see just immediately looking at it is the number of dead bodies you would have and the amount of bodies they could cremate in an hour. They would that they wouldn't be able to do it and the amount of fuel it would take, it's just not possible. So why are these professional, you know, FBI, the FBI now has to be trained to be sensitive to the Holocaust. Well, if you're in the FBI, shouldn't one of the first things you realize in that propaganda session on, you know, respecting Jews and the Holocaust, the first thing you should realize is that it's all bullshit. So how are they professional investigators? That's always, you know, irked me. It's I the same lie. Uh, sorry, Daniel, uh, but I think it's pretty much, you know, a kabuki theater. Uh, you know, they are they own the money, so they can dictate. They have the power to do the power. Hmm. Yeah. How does how how many students of Greek have attended seminaries and universities and studied Greek? And they get to Second Thessalonians chapter three, and they read these words in Greek, which mean the faith is not for all. But they go along with the implied meaning reflected by the church translations that not all men have faith. How many go along with that lie just for the sake of going along? That there must have been throughout history thousands. On, I mean, they do study Greek in a university, right? I, I mean, that they got to study Greek from the same books that I've studied from. And it says the faith is not for all or of all, and they'll read not all men have faith to get along. And, and that's just one blatant example that there's a hundred lies in New Testament translation where that they are actually going along with something that's blatantly wrong just because it's what's taught in the universities. The lies are taught, and, and they just accept the lies and, and perpetuate them. So why would the FBI be any, be any different? And, and you're right. They can't possibly have any real investigating skills, or they would figure out that the Holocaust has to be bullshit. But they just go along with it. The whole world just goes along with what they're told by their universities. No matter how many lies there are. I think it's even more serious than that. Because think about it. Think about it. Um, I think this example is, is very uh, seen with my grandmother. Uh, at, the sh at the television, they wouldn't shut up about vaccines. Vaccines, 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 vaccines. It became a, a truth to her. They keep repeating, 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 and people just eat it up. It's the same lie as the, uh, well, it's the excuse they use. Well, you know, Christ didn't raise from the dead. And they say, oh, really? Do you, do you have his body to show that he's still dead? Oh, no, no, so we don't have the body. Well, well where's the body? Oh, well, the, the apostles must have stolen the body away. And it's like, okay, well, six million Jews died in the Holocaust. All right, well, where's the bodies? Oh, we don't have them. Oh, well, they must have been incinerated. It's the same thing. Yeah, and scattered all the ashes. So it, doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. And if anyone tries to look for the um, the remains, the Jews will do that thing where they say, oh, it's, it's um, against Jewish law to investigate dead bodies. You know, we're not allowed to look at the dead, respect the dead. 
and it's and it's like you're prosecuting old men in Germany and sentencing them to um, life in prison, and no one's allowed to investigate the evidence to see if it actually happened. Like they're actually prohibited from investigating. Yeah, didn't they lay down a whole bunch of concrete at um, Treblinka? Treblinka, and supposedly that this you know huge remains buried under there, but they've had to concrete the whole thing because it's a sacred site. So they can't pe- use the ground penetration, you know, detection. Yeah. The radar, yeah, because someone did that. Someone did the ground penetrating radar and found nothing. The um, soil was still in its original state for, you know, however far underground. And so that's probably why the Jews came up with that lie. Oh, you can't you can't investigate a um, Jewish, you know, burial scene. It's against Jewish law. And it's like, well, you're prosecuting people for, you know, this crime and no one's allowed to investigate if a crime actually took place. Because that camp didn't have a gas chamber. I think that's why they had to do that cover up there. I might be wrong. And it's it's that and, you know, now we can't dig up remains in Israel. You know, Treblinka um... was probably one of the diesel ones, you know, suffocated with diesel fuel. Yeah, right. You know, Joe, you said something, uh, I don't know, uh, I think it, it was you, but you said something that reminded me of a, a meme that someone was spreading, you know, to maybe red pill some Judeos, which was, you know, basically the apostles trolling Jesus. And he said, oh, go spread my word to all the world. And they trolled him by saying, oh, let's just go to white nations. It was just, it just reminded me because you said, oh, the apostles probably stole his body. It just reminded me. Yeah, that's a good meme. That was what I'd like to see that meme actually. That was what Daniel was saying. Is it the one where what what they think they oh well let's just go to white countries because they're safe and civil and they can have a conversation? Well, regardless, the apostles only went to white countries to proto Europeans. Hmm. I'm gonna see if I oh. find it. Someone told me that's what some of the Judeos say that oh well see they went to they went to Europe because Rome had roads, you see. And, and and that's why they went into Europe. It's like, okay, so this whole other section of, you know, people on the world, they just go to hell because too bad you haven't got your infrastructure up for the apostles to travel on. Yeah, within the Judeo paradigm. That wouldn't make sense. That wouldn't make sense. Makes sense to us because Makes we don't think they went to um white countries because um it's echoing. Who's it's echoing? I got it from uh from that place, you know, Christian Arianism, which is was that channel that I warned you guys about. But I think this meme in particular is a good one. I try to be careful with things I share because I also see what they post. I don't subscribe to their ideas, but I think some of these things are probably useful. But, you know, I, I was talking to Zeph about it, but I think you can explain a bit more. I, I'm going to sh- uh, share on, you know, Crystal Gamer. There is, there is that one meme where uh, on YouTube and it's got some animated Apostle Paul and Peter and they're, they're organizing the, uh, the hoax of Christianity. You know, they're creating Christianity to fool the world. And it says, you know, oh, are we going to get rich? No, I'm going to give up my superstar status 
as, you know, chief rising star of the Pharisees, and I am going to uh, become a Christian after having turned all the Christians against me <laughs> and, and give up my wealth. And he says, oh, well, will we have some power? He says, no, you, we're going to die horrible deaths. And uh, just there's, there's, there's no, in terms of is it a conspiracy and you've got to follow the money trail, there is none. But it, it's it's mocking, you know, what atheists would claim, you know, Christianity was invented for power and, and all the rest of it. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure. 600 AD Roman Catholic, you know, Babylonian priesthood, that's, you know, 600 years after the apostles. So you've got to explain that period. I think they got some of these ideas from that movie Zeitgeist, right? That tried to say basically Jesus doesn't exist. It's just Horus, um, that old uh, Saturnalia, and a lot of that things. Yeah, you know, the idea that Christianity was invented for power is absolutely ridiculous. But because if you look at the first, the, the Empire of Rome lasted for 600 years, 700 years. The empire period, right? From, from perhaps the early 3rd century to the late 5th century AD. And it was pagan for most of that time. And they had absolute power when it was pagan. They were at the height of their power in, in the time of in, in the time of, time of the Pax Augustus, the, the 1st century AD, what, when the empire was... It's most at its most stable point, and it was a pagan empire. The Assyrians were pagans. The Assyrians worshipped basically the same pantheon of gods that the Sumerians had, and and the Babylonians later, and they maintained absolute power with varying degrees of success and and various lengths of time under a pagan system. And Alexander's Hellenistic Empire was entirely pagan and maintained absolute power for over most of the known world for at, at least 100 years the, with, with the successors of Alexander. So how could they say that you need Christianity to maintain power? That's just absurd. Well, even in modern times, they got rid of Christianity and brought in um, all these pagan religions, Satanism, multiculturalism, Sodomite, you know, empire that we have. It doesn't want Christianity. So how does Christianity lead to world empires? It doesn't. Well, the Jews boast that we're in a post-Christian world now, and, and it slides further and further into the pits of hell, and that should be absolutely clear, and the, the world is clearly decaying without Christianity. Well, it should I, guess, be I guess if you're a Jew, you don't see the decay. If you're a Jew, you think everything is going great now. The atheists would probably think that, that everything's progress now and we're a lot better off without Christianity because we have open sodomy and, and pedophilia is right around the corner. But you see, Bill, they think it's better right now because we have the freedom to choose what we want and because we are more tolerant, you see. 
Well, well, right. That was my last point. That that's exactly what they think. Well, is it atheism just like Judaism for the goy? I think it is because I mean, um, what's it called? Uh, it's Judaism, but rabbinical Judaism is pretty much the worship of themselves, isn't it? Well, we always hear about those atheistic Jews. It stems from Judaism. A lot of our science is actually Jewish sorcery. Well, Absolutely, because it was founded in Kabbalah. It, it came right from the Kabbalah. I mean, Kabbalah is the, the direct antecedent of modern science. Well, the parable of the brambles in the forest flies in the face of all the claims of Christianity being invented for seeking of power. Right. That good men don't want to rule over good men or their brethren. They have better things to do. That's what the story is. And so the, the bramble has nothing better to do, so then it rises up and oppresses the people. But I don't know, if the, do the Judeo-Christians explain the parable of the trees in the forest? I don't know. I, I, I never heard it until I explained it. I, I'm not taking credit for it, but I never heard it before I explained it. So I don't know if they explain it or not. Um, I just wanted to add one thing before that, Bill. Just to remind, uh, there is one thing that Judeos actually understand, is that to uh, tolerance is not a Christian virtue. But in America, that they've poisoned that position with the idea that you should hate the sin and love the sinner. So, in other words, you, you allow the sodomite into your assembly, into your church, as an equal member, but you hate his sin. But you love the sodomite. So, what the hell? God didn't, God didn't destroy sodomy. He destroyed the sodomites. They like tolerance because they love sin, their sin. But the problem is, like, you, you could have a sin that you love, with Christianity, it sort of sets a, a minimum standard of expected behavior in society that one should aspire to, you know, and it kind of, we want to lift each other up. Whereas if you ex are accepting of your, like, one particular sin, now you have to accept everything else. And some people are way down here, you know, so, okay, well, I, I like, I'm a womanizer or something. Okay, now you're going to have to, you have lost all moral high ground against the worst kind of deviancy out there and it all just floods in. It'll subvert your whole nation and the land will be destroyed through whoredom or through sodomy or through multiculturalism, you know, the bastards in the land sort of thing. So if you allow any sin, you know, hate the sinner, um, hate the sin, but not the sinner or whatever, mm. that's just going to subvert your whole nation. And I've heard people say that, like, I don't care what they do in their own bedroom. And it's like, why should they have rights in a society that they're against? You know, because a nation is founded on the family and they're anti-family. So why should they have any rights in a nation they're trying to destroy? Yeah. And regardless if, if, they, if they're a sinner or not, or if they have this sin that they just do all the time, the difference between those two is that, well... I'm, I, I'm not proud of it, right? In the Christian perspective, you're not proud of it. So, so you, yeah, you, you aspire to do better. But the other yeah. one is, yeah.
Sorry, Dan. Well, I was just going to add while you're saying that there's different levels of sin too. Like there is sin, like a sodomite has to be stoned. But let's say you you um you have a really bad day and you're a little bit angry at God, and you know, like Job made um sacrifices for his sons because they might have sinned in their heart. You know, they might have been angry at God in their heart, so he made sacrifices for them. Is that as bad as you know? You have to stone the sodomite. You have to stone the adulterer. So there's di- there's different sins, which yeah. have different punishments. But the, when they accept tolerance, and they say that, well, I actually celebrate it, and I'm prideful. They've given up all hope. They've given up on God. They've given up on change, and and that's a sin that's probably bigger than their original sin that they that they're struggling with or whatever. Yeah, it's just a total let go. And yeah, that's no control, no order. It's basically like they have no faith. Hmm. Well, that's what tolerating sin and sinners lead to. What they do in their bedrooms ends up being paraded around in the streets. The thing is, if you have a Christian patriarchy, it'll stop all that. You know, if you had a Christian patriarchy, the sodomites would be banished from the land. You wouldn't have feminism. You wouldn't have all these you know, mass invasions, what do they call it? Um, Migration or immigration, whatever they call it. Oh, we've got to take care of all these so-called refugees. You wouldn't have any of that. So that's why the white man has been removed from his place in society. And the white man should have, um, if the white man didn't want to be removed from his place in society, he should have kept the law of God because God is king. He should have... um, held to the proper hierarchy but now we've lost that and we didn't um adhere to the law and now we're being punished we're being flooded with these refugees destroyed through whoredom well well it's very clear that in a democracy or a collection of democracies the white man voted himself out of his place in society he gave it up it's unbelievable I don't know how it happened. Like, <laughs> just, you know, probably I didn't care about God anymore and the white man just wanted to um, just do whatever. You know, the law of the... What's that, um, Alistair Crowley? The whole of the law shall be do what thou wilt. And Alistair Crowley was the, the Satanist from the 50s or the 30s or whatever, the one they all... The beast. And that yeah, was, he was his law. Was early his 1900s. Law. Oh, was it? Really? Well, I'm way off. But his it's, law was it's do, do as thou, thou wilt shalt be the whole of the law. That's the Satanist creed. That's essentially That's what we have today. You know, you know, uh, pretty much. Oh, the only position that people, uh, tolerable people, should have is libertarianism. And and understand what I mean. Uh, the world sees libertarianism in the sense of, oh, you you shall not um, uh, make accusations against people. You should be tolerant. 100% on their vices, and you shall say nothing. So then you'll be tolerant. This is the only, uh, you know, point of view that people can hold nowadays. You can't say, but I disagree. No, you're, you're, you're not worthy if you disagree. You're a horrible human being. You're full of hatred. This is how the world reacts nowadays. Yeah, well, that's the law of Zog. Do what thou wilt. Do whatever you want. Libertarianism. Yeah, they hate, they hate absolutes as well. I was speaking to... Uh, couple of women last night actually and um, you know they said well uh, you know 
I'm a Christian, but I don't like to say that, you know, Islam's wrong because that's so rude. It, it's feelings. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, well, it's easy. Christ said he was the only way to the Father. You know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is none other beside me. So if Christ is right, then that eliminates everything else. Um, you know, it, it's, it's much simpler with absolutes than having wishy-washy, well, we're not, we, we can never find truth. It's, everyone's looking for truth, but they hate the person who's, who claims to have found it. Yeah, well, women are feelings-based, but when men do it, you know, it's more shameful. Women are naturally more feelings-based. So, you know, you have to go, go a bit easy on them, you know, be a bit forgiving with them. But with these one seed liners and the Trinitards, be hard on those guys. I mean, what can you expect from men nowadays, from certain men that, you know, usually city dwellers that are, you know, like soy jacks? <laughs> You're right. <gasps> Free soy! <gasps> yeah, these soy boys. It's a lot of weak men. Feelings based. It's feelings-based. It is. That's why I get annoyed when well, I, I see, have, like... Uh... <clears throat> I have Don Elmore coming here in two weeks, and we're going to spend a day together. And it's going to be ahead of his conference that he's attending with Everett Ramsey. So the conversation is, I hope, it's going to be quite interesting. Because we have to be hard on these so-called one-seed liners and, and these CI white types. I'm, I'm just totally sick of them. Yeah, I really me. am. And, and, and the more that we can point that out, how they're not doing us any favors – that they're they're actually no better than Roman Catholics or Judeo-Tards. They really are. They're not doing us a damn bit of good compromising on, on this word. And and if they don't come to us, then they should be totally rejected. We should mock them all. That's the only thing we should have for them is mockery. Well, didn't Clifton say that they were misidentifying the enemy? And so they were not faithful watchmen because they're misidentifying the enemy and failing to point out people to people that there's this enemy, this Satan in our lands. Because some one seed liners say that Satan is the flesh. And a lot of one seed liners say, oh, we all come from God. And you think, how is that CI? You know, how, how is that CI that all races come from God? We know God created one man in Genesis, the Adamic man. And his law is kind after kind. So you've got that same man generation after generation. Where do these others come from? They can't come from God. So the one seed liners are like, I feel in a way they're betraying us with this CI like nonsense lies. And they're, you know, we're talking about weak men. Well, they're feelings based. Why, why can't they just look at what the Bible says, put their feelings to the side? And um, divide the word rightly and with justice. They can't do that. And they get all feelings-based and, you know, they're kissing each other's ass or being too nice to each other and then nurturing each other's feelings like, oh, that's the best thing ever, bro. Oh, you know, and they're trying to, like, you know, lift each other up in the wrong way. Like, we try and lift each other up. But when they lift each other up, it's all feelings-based and it's superficial, I think. 
Exactly. You know, I don't need exactly. my feelings lifted up by any of you guys. You know, but they do. That's what they do. What did Paul say? They are willfully ignorant of the word of God. So that right there tells me that they don't know what genuine love is for God. His creation. I mean, exactly. <laughs> they think that these it all falls look- back to it. They hate God. They're willfully ignorant. Right. Love, Some of them are the confused. Right. Well, it's the willful ignorance and the agenda that you can't have any respect for. I mean, we can't help those whose eyes and ears aren't opened yet. But some of these people know right. what they're fucking doing. But I would, but I would right. say the majority are willfully ignorant because they just rather love the nigger and compromise. And propping up each other's feelings uh, isn't the same as what we do whenever we're encouraging each other or trying to do something uh, good for your brother. You know, you're trying right, to um, on here we get, help we get on here we try to encourage each other. You know, uh, to to do better. That's not that's not propping up each other's feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he's wrong, they they will say, "Oh, that's the best idea ever, bro." You're so you know, and it's all feelings based. Yeah, whenever one of us on here says something and then we're we're wrong about it, there's usually several to say, "No, that's wrong." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's why you have to be aware of flattery. That's why you don't flatter each other. That's what that comes from. Well, we were talking about true love before, you know, and that that's not true love. Is flattery, isn't it? Um, the kisses of the enemy are worse than the um, the uh, wounds of a friend. You know, that's in Psalms or Proverbs or somewhere. Because, you, you know, sometimes it's tough love. And also, um, they should look at these. They should look at these other races and realize – they can't keep the law of God because these other races aren't about love. They're outside, you know, we, I know we went all over that, but that's something that one seed liners don't get at all. It's there's no love in that in these bastards. You know, they don't come from God, the God of love. God didn't create these things. Well, and so they're betraying us like Clifton said. Like Clifton said, they're misidentifying the enemy. They're not faithful watchmen if, you, if they can't point out that this enemy's in our lands and they don't care about their brother, then do they? Unless it's in a superficial way. Well, what what is the, it's saying the the Psalms, I hate the enemies of Yahweh with the perfect hatred. Could you imagine if Rebecca had no love for God? She showed her hatred by being a racist and standing against Esau. She showed her love by standing up for the covenant. And that was her own son. Exactly. Yeah. But she showed her hatred, and that's where true love comes from. Sometimes love, you when gen, hating evil is genuine love as well. I mean, it's it's all there, and they just willfully ignorant of it. They don't want to see it. You're right. Uh, it, families these days, if their son marries a chink, they'll be like, oh, I still love my son no matter what he does. Well, Rebecca didn't still, you know. Well, exactly. I'm going to hate them because they hate the creator. Right. I mean, because that yeah. comes first. Isn't that first is love your God with all your heart? Then the second one is love thy neighbor as yourself. And you know, exactly. Your neighbor is someone who's near to you. It doesn't always, you know, 
some of your neighbours are far off because they've gone out in the world and they're they're in the land of Nod. They're they're not really that near to you because they've gone they've gone far far away. I agree. What sickens me, however, is how the world perceives. You know, if Rebecca existed nowadays, the world perceives. Look at this horrible woman commenting on her son, his free choice to marry whoever he wants. And they twist the love into saying that's true love. He loves a person independent of her race. Yeah. They're in love. Don't judge them. You know, it's like, that's not, that's, is that really love? Like how much would you hate your own family name to do something like that? You hate all your ancestors. You hate your God. You hate the law. You're willing to destroy your whole nation just for this one um, sinner. And so that's what the Judeo-Christians do. They destroy... Exactly. Washing a hundred generations of your own posterity down the drain when you race mix. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now there's a thousand movies of that exact thing. So, so just so you can not hurt the feelings of one person, you're going to... Um, destroy your whole nation and and that's love not offending this one person that's love it's not love it's just a superficial feeling there's nothing true there's no true depth to it it's not based on any real logic or any real truth the love should be based on truth i think that this stems from you know the spiritual way to see things and i know there's a lot of judeos that say everything is spiritual but i mean spiritual in the real sense as in they don't understand that by race mixing, it inv- involves, you know, spiritual questions before it ever uh, involves things that, oh, I want to do this because I want. I'm an adult. I know what I can do, you know, and, you know, fuck all of this is what they say. Yeah, they do whatever they want. Just do what thou wilt, you know, whereas our law is based on love. We know that it's the law of love. Their law is just do what that do whatever you want, you know. Who cares about anyone else? Just do whatever, you, and that's what all the sodomites. That's the law of the sodomites. That's the law of the whores. That's the law of the traitor. And that is hating your brother. Completely opposite to us, JD. That's why they're our enemies, you know. Exactly. And they're helping this guy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no blood on my hands. <laughs> well, people that people that listen to this podcast aren't going to get to see um, Wolfyop's imitation of the greedy Jew that we just saw on the video. <laughs> so, on, on another note, I, I see James is driving in North Dakota, and I see the North Dakota sunset through his window while here in Panama city and we're in the same time zone in the central time zone. It's been dark for over two hours. So I'm jealous. <laughs> well, it's still a little bit light out. Be safe out there, brother James. Oh yeah. Doing my best. It, it's incredible that the sun's just setting there and it's nine thirty at night. And, and here it's at, Two hours ago, it said it's seven thirty Central Time. We're in the same time uh, zone. And later on in the summer, it'll be closer to eleven o'clock, like ten thirty, ten forty-five. You'll still be able to 
see uh, without your headlights at 11. That's the equinox, isn't it, Bill? The north, the, the sun travels north now. So. Yes. I don't want to get into a flat earth debate. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, talk, no, the earth is oh, definitely cold. round. The it's, earth is definitely around. Because of the shape it's of the earth, so it's lighter. It's lighter a lot. We have to keep coming back to it. A lot longer up north. I'm just amazed by it because, like, I, I, I visited the Upper Peninsula of Michigan at Mike Delaney's house in May of 2012. It was my only time up there, and it was light until 10:30 at night, and and I never experienced that. Even in New Jersey and New York as a kid, right? I'll be honest with you guys. I never ex had this experience of, you know, uh, basically having lights until 10 p.m. Or, you know, having sunset at 3 or 2 p.m. When it's, when it's winter. I, I was going to say exactly that. If we were in November, I think it will be uh, already night for like five hours already on James's end. What time right. is it then? Panama City, it gets dark really, really early in the winter. And and by 3 p.m., it's may, maybe by 4 p.m., it's dark. So the sun's uh, still up at around 10 p.m. where James is. It's setting. It, uh, I mean, the sun is actually already set by now. Uh, 10 p.m. It's still light. Eric's here. Eric should have that same experience, right? In Minnesota. He's probably as far north as James, I would think. Sorry, I keep getting dropped, so I don't know what I missed. But uh, we're an hour behind you, Fink. And, yeah, the sun's already down. I don't know exactly where James uh, is. He's somewhere in North Dakota. He he might be a little further north than you since you might be on a line with South Dakota. Right? Yeah, there's, yeah. A little bit of, there's a little bit of color out east or west. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the stage he's at now. Yeah, it, it's based out look of through his window. I think the person think that the is person most up north, up north is probably English Muscovite. When I was working up in Montana two years ago, the sun wouldn't would often not set until ten thirty. It uh, it was actually a pretty strange experience, to be honest. Yeah, it does sound strange. I can't imagine it because I'm gonna lose service. I'm going down. No. All right, see ya. I'll be back on, on in a bit. All okay. right, drive safe, brother. Yeah, the latest I've seen it set where I am in Australia, as you guys know, on the east coast of Australia is like 7 p.m. And in winter, 5 p.m. sort of thing. Never seen 10 p.m. <laughs> that would be awesome. I think in Tasmania or possibly... Um, uh, Antarctica, you know, the Australian Antarctic Territory. Yeah, you know, the best I saw that I remember in New York was about 9 p.m. in, in midsummer that the sun would set in upstate New York. I never experienced um, 10.30 sunset until I went to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And I didn't experience 10.30 there. I experienced about 10 p.m. there, it being May, um, from what I remember. And, and it was like it is with James now, just dusky. But that's not quite as far north as North Dakota. I just think it's amazing that you could have, like, 
sun the, the sun could be out that late at night. But then I'm sure they pay for it in the wintertime when it sunsets at probably 3 p.m. Yeah, I was just going to say, with my work schedule in the summer, it's hell. Because <laughs> it's so hard for me to go to bed when it's light out. And it's it's light out until like 10. <laughs> I mean, like, not, I mean, not bright light. It's like bright until like 9, 9.30. But yeah, in the wintertime, it's dark by 5. <laughs> Yeah, I could imagine hating that when you have to go to bed because you got to get up for work, but it's still light out and you want to be outside. That's what I mean. Yeah, I'm inside. <laughs> it's it's hard to go to bed when it's light out and doesn't feel right. In the wintertime, it's just fine. But well, well, I'm not trying to push the flat Earth thing, but I, I was really dismayed when I asked Kevin for a model of that, and he called me an idolater because I want to know how it worked. What whatever whatever we believe about the shape of the world around us, we we shouldn't accuse each other of idolatry. That's terrible. Yeah, I think I think these flat earth you know discussions, if they get too passionate, you know, okay, if someone believes perhaps on a way that the Earth is flat, try to convince maybe, or if you can't convince, eventually, you know, say I respect you uh, that you don't believe. It's just the difference that we have. I think it's absurd, you know, to say it is, it is, it is, it is, and to it base it basically into everything. Oh, flat Earth, flat Earth, flat, flat Earth. This person is not talking about flat Earth. Then maybe he should talk about flat Earth. Yeah, I hate to ban discussion on a topic, but it really, it it really has caused a lot of divisions that I, I think are really unfortunate. It, if we all agree with um, two seed line. Christianity and Christian identity, that should should be enough to keep us all together, I would think. Can't be a point of doctrine and someone's an idolater because, you know, they don't believe in it, which I can't. Joe, didn't you say to yourself in the forum that basically, you know, if it's in the Bible, it's in the Bible. If outside, perhaps we can conjecture about it. I think it was a good summarization. Yeah, that's like levels of truth or levels of proof because the only real proof and the only thing we should really believe is the Bible and everything else, you know, we should be Christian skeptics about and it doesn't matter so much. Like someone might say, I believe in aliens in outer space and UFOs and it, it's like I don't really care that much because the Bible doesn't say anything about it and um, they don't know. Like you're a Christian skeptic. It's not, it's not up there with um true it's not at the level of truth it's not absolutely proven even if it's an engineering concept that is actually true and is actually factual that should still come second to um the bible which is like god's truth it's holy it's elevated above truths of engineering and truths of you know how we build a house that's going to stand for 50 years you know and using all these concepts that we know and that we've got from our forefathers who have built civilizations and societies. So yeah, that's true. It should it should come second because we're Christians first, and God's truths are, are holier and um, transcend mundane truths. And and the shape of the earth is a mundane truth, whatever it is. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, my, my theory on the, the Earth, 
I mean, I don't care what flat earthers think, but for, I mean, for thousands of years, uh, people thought the earth was going to come to an end. If you just walk, you'll walk off the edge of it. But we have a lot of uh, facts that the earth is round. But nevertheless, it shouldn't be anything that would divide us. But but I could prove the earth's round just by being an electrician. So. <laughs> and, and how's that, J.D.? Well, I mean, the way current flows, uh, you have these halos that travel around the strands of the wire. Um, the earth is like an iron core. And the earth doesn't actually rotate like they say it does. Now, it vibrates back and forth, and that's why the sun kind of shifts from the south to the north, because it vibrates back and forth to get that little wobble. But this truly, the, the sun goes around the earth just, just as well as the other stars. But uh, there's a lot there's a lot to it. I'd have to get into it, but, you know, well, the earth is round. Well, I think I think the I don't know if all the ancients did believe the Earth was flat for thousands of years because they would have seen the sun set over the horizon and what maybe not the, the ancient, right? Yeah, well, they would have seen the the sun be cut in half by the horizon because as the sun exactly. sets, it's cut by the horizon, and they would have had to try and explain that. And one way you can see that same thing happening is if you're watching a man walk over a hill and the bottom of his feet disappear as he walks down the mountain, and then eventually his head falls below the mountain. And that's due to the curvature of a hill. Well, the sun falls below the curvature of the horizon in the same way. You know, bottom first, just like ships over the horizon. Ships, as they pass over the horizon, the bottom disappears first, and then the, eventually the top disappears before it reaches the vanishing point. You know, because we have the vanishing point too, where's, which is the limit of our eyesight. You know, we see things, a, a plane move towards the horizon, get smaller and smaller until it disappears. But it never actually crosses the horizon like the sun does. Right. So, so, so the ancients would have had those observations that we can make today, those same observations. Right. And, you know, and if the earth is spinning, then it would make more sense for the airplanes to go in one direction to get there faster. Like oh, I don't wanna, that's another yeah. question that, you know. <laughs> so so but you know when you watch the constellations because i watch the stars all the time i, I i'm a stargazer uh, i love watching the stars go rotate around the earth and when you watch the constellations come up from the east in 12 hours you can see it going down on the other side and you know, that it kind of explains the twenty-four hour period because it rotates around the earth. All of it does. So we're 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 like the footstool for sure <laughs> from the North Star. Yeah, well that's the only way I can see to make it work it, with the sun being cut by the horizon. Right, and the sun know, goes the around of the earth. Right. And the sun it, goes around the earth too. Because to make it work on a flat earth model, that's why they have the sun hovering overhead and it reaches a vanishing point. So if something reaches a vanishing point, it should get smaller and smaller and smaller till it disappears like the plane on the horizon or the train, the train moving into the distance on the tracks. But that's not what we see with the sun. It doesn't exactly. get smaller and smaller. It actually is cut by the horizon and it doesn't change in size as it passes over the horizon. There's actually... um Yeah... 
Well, the best evidence actually against flat Earth, in my opinion, is that the horizon doesn't rise to eye level, which is something they require. You can make a water level and um, walk to different elevations and check if the horizon is at eye level. And that's a very simple experiment. There's other experiments you can do that actually measure, you know, using flags um, on on a water on a body of water to measure the curvature of the earth so that that can be measured by that that experiment is a bit more difficult to do but something interesting i found just on this subject quickly is i found um one of the hebrew letters they think it might have first been based on the setting sun because it's a circle with a horizontal line through it in paleo hebrew and and its meaning is to do with light apparently so a lot of people have surmised that that Hebrew character is actually the character of the setting sun and it's a horizontal line with a circle and the horizontal line cuts the circle in the way that we say the sun sets, whereas flat earthers say that the sun sets with the vanishing point. You know, So this horizon never cuts the sun because with a vanishing point setting of the sun, the horizon would never cut the sun. It would just get smaller and smaller and disappear, which exactly. I, I've never observed that happening. I've always, every time I watch the sunset, the sun becomes a semicircle and then smaller and smaller and smaller as it's cut by the horizon and it disappears behind the horizon, not vanishing point. And it goes That's, back around and it goes back around. For and it rises hours. the next day the same exactly. way. Exactly. And you the know, but, the revolution. Right. So when you look up at the North Star, it never moves. It's always there. It never moves. It never circles. It never moves. Just like the earth, it just sets there. So the line drawn from the North Star all the way down to the earth is a polar line. And uh, everything else rotates around it. And even all the wandering planets, the wandering stars, they rotate around us as well. Well, that's that's a question of geocentrism and other questions to the rotation of the Earth. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to go down that right now because there's so many things. I don't. But uh, another yeah. interesting thing is, um, you know, that Hebrew character I talked about, which is a circle being cut by a horizontal line. I I think from memory that um symbol also represented revolution. So light and revolution was the meaning of that symbol. I um I forget exactly what. The Hebrew character it was, but it's the one that now looks like a P. No, it's what what's a Teth or a, a, originally a, a T, and it's also the Theta in Greek. It became the Theta. It's a Teth. Yeah, well, I'm talking about um paleo hebrew so you're probably right Bill. i don't know what it is now but in paleo, yeah, hebrew. paleo hebrew this doesn't work in in um it, it's probably early aramaic alphabet actually it it doesn't work in modern hebrew it's a teth it's a circle with a line across a horizontal line across it and and so is the theta in greek but the theta is more like an oval which is the TH sound separate from the tau or the T. I'm sorry. I didn't want to cut off the conversation, but, but my point yeah. is that, uh, okay, JD believes in geocentrism. That's fine. I'm, I'm never going to argue with him about that. I can't prove it one way or the other. 
and and but but there are observances we could make where we believe the the world is a globe that don't rely on NASA that we should never have to suffer that the straw man arguments that we suffered in the forum lately but we should also not be divided over things that we can't prove or, or like subjective things like the horizon coming to eye level that's totally subjective so so why are we fighting over that and i don't want to ban any subject from, from the forum or, or from the chats ever I, I shouldn't have to get to that point but we've had this division again over this flat earth and and i think that the flat earthers are the the, the aggressors but it shouldn't be a problem. They shouldn't be arguing those things at Christagenia. Well, I know you know, know this, but you, when, when a flat earther has a photo of here's a horizon rising to eye level, the camera could be pointing down. So you need a reference for eye level. And that's why I mentioned that water level, using a water level at different elevations, because now you've got a reference for eye level. So it's no longer subjective. You can say, "Here's my reference for eye level, and here's the horizon. And what's the what's the dip? What's the drop of the horizon compared to eye level?" So you can do that experiment very easily. And, and the Hebrew letter was Qof, Q O F, in Paleo Hebrew or another archaic Hebrew. It also has has a um, line with a circle, and apparently it meant revolution and light or something so i'm looking at that now okay i thought about the cough but the cough as far as i'm as far as i've ever seen always had a vertical line not a horizontal one it's been suggested in paleo or archaic hebrew there's paleo hebrew and then there's one before that and english vids was talking about that and i looked it all up and um it apparently rotated so it rotated from um a horror that's this is the claim is they've got i think they have examples of it of the quaff rotating from a horizontal to a p like um vertical but i'm i'm not saying you're wrong about anything I, I this is just the letter i was looking at so just so that if people look up well what's the meaning of this letter they can find that it means revolution or light you know that's fine one way or the other i mean i don't have any personal stake in it so i mean being wrong <laughs> or right doesn't matter and and that's the way we should look. We should look at all of these issues, and and that's humility. Exactly. I just can't bite into the flat Earth stuff. <laughs> I just can't. Everything I see is round. <laughs> Even the scripture says it's round. Uh, well, well, right. But I I I really did get upset with the division once again, and and. With the fact that Kevin had insisted that we were idolaters. Wow. Really? For, for that reason. And and that that was just wrong. And that's why Kevin's no longer welcome here. That's crazy to call us idolaters over an earth situation. Well, well, I mean, he made several posts accusing us of idolaters. He was persistent about it. I'm always going to let a slight go. I don't care who calls me an asshole or, or anything like that. I'm always going to let a slight slip off the top of my back and, and address the issue at hand in my discourse. That That's my objective anyway. I mean, you can call me anything you want. I don't give a fuck. But when he was so persistent about insisting that we were idolaters and, and ignoring the fact that he wasn't, 
the idolater for real. Well, well, I, I mean, that was really disappointing to me. Right. And he forced my hand to ban him from the forum. And I like Kevin. I couldn't right. believe that went on, but it did. And he did it. Oh, isn't mm-hmm. calling someone an idolater different to calling them a bad name? Because if someone says, hey, Joe, you're being a bit of an asshole," well, I can't. Maybe I am. Maybe I should be humble and say, well, maybe they've got something against me. That's right. But if someone calls you an idolater, you can look at the law and say, have I actually done this sin? And it has to be justified. You can't just go around saying, so-and-so is an idolater because of my feelings. You know, it has no. to be just when you make that sort of claim. In so my you're opinion, an idolater if you believe the earth's round, is what I'm saying. So you're an idolater because you believe the earth's round? Wow. Or because you believe in anything else that's engineering or something based. You know, is an engineer who understands mathematics and how to build a house so that it's strong and stands, is he an idolater? Is he worshipping mathematics or something like that? I don't I don't think so. And, and well, we have no num- we have numbers and mathematics for a reason, just like we have language for a reason. Yeah, we aren't niggers. Right. <laughs> I mean, wow, that's crazy. Actually, alphabets are schematics of, of sounds. So are they idolatry by drawing those characters? Uh, apparently so, huh? <laughs> Bill, I think what happens is this, that, you know, practically, there are some circles of, you know, Judeo-tards where uh, I think they see it as the, the world as this. Everything that has Jesus is automatically sacred, perhaps. Yes, they are right in that. But anything that does not involve Jesus, and, you know, there's nothing on the scripture to prove or disprove, they automatically think it's satanic. For example, they think medicine is satanic. They think numbers are inherently satanic. So mathematics is doomed altogether. You know that those are those sorts of people? I think they. I think it has a microcosm of this issue and this thing. Yeah, well, sometimes, what are those those people in America that don't like electricity? The um, Amish? Amish. Amish. And they think the TV is satanic. Well, the TV kind of is satanic <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> they call us idolaters. Oh, I guess. they don't mind their electricity. They've got their generator. They just can't yeah. have, you know, regular electric. But they can really? run their generator or they can run their tractor. Uh, that's fine. You want to talk they about hypocrisy. You want to talk about hypocrisy. <laughs> it, was, it was satanic to drive a mobile, to drive an automobile, but Yet they can have just one person come by and pick a whole bunch of them up and get in the car and go to work. And you there are actually, and I actually observed this in Pennsylvania. There are different levels of Amish now. Okay, different levels of compromise. Yep, there he is. Oh, different levels of compromise. Uh, what, what do you mean by compromise? Are you in <laughs> well, there are still some. There was still some. And I think by now it's a minority of old school Amish who eschew all technology and everything to do with electricity. So they still milk their cows by hand and stuff like that, right? But there are other Amish that will drive around in their little carriages with their horses. And when they get home to their farm, they hook up the milk machines to the cow and and automatically get the milk out of the cows. And and then they pasteurize it and stuff like that, right? I I mean, they've accepted technology in one respect, but not in the others. They still try to be Amish. Maybe it's for the tourist money. 
Who the hell knows? I think it's right. more, of the, more of the tax refuge than anything. Yeah, the tax refuges that the um, I, I've seen Amish driving around Pennsylvania in Ford F two fifties, but they're still dressed in the Amish garb. Now, when we lived in Kentucky, we were surrounded by Amish, and that's all they did was ride their horses and buggies. But I heard that they use propane a lot as well. Well, well, there you have it. That's why I said they compromise at different levels. Right. I, I saw an Amish farm in Pennsylvania, intercourse Pennsylvania, and the whole thing operated like any modern farm with so milk machines and refrigeration and, and all that. So when the shit hits the farm. They horse and buggies. But then the, every once in a while, you see some Amish guy dressed up with his his Amish clothing and his beard with no mustache, and, and he zips by in a Ford F-250 on a lift. So go figure. Yeah, I wonder how they stay. They drive their tractor. They, you'll see them in their horse and buggy like going to town, some of them. But some of them just took their – they'll take a tractor and hook a trailer to it, and everybody will load up in the – trailer and they, they go to walmart and everything go to the cell barns and whatnot and they use their generators and things like that and they plow with tractors and wow. so would would they call us idolaters because you know we use electricity you know is that yeah but it's it amazes me though but it amazes me how the amish people i mean I, maybe i haven't studied enough about them but it's like we know the white people are getting attacked by all the Jewish propaganda and the Black Lives Matters, and everybody's coming down on us, but it seems that they're always separated from all this crap out here. Uh, personally, uh, I think the Amish have, uh, from my personal opinion and what I've seen, I believe the Amish, are, a lot of them have a heavy Jew influence. That's what I'm kind of thinking. That's, They're detected uh, by the Jews. That's the way I've felt about it for a long time. You look at them. Uh, they look Jewish. They got a lot of similarities to the Jews and their and their features, and they are shrewd as hell. And genetically, yep. you're saying you're saying genetically, James, that they. Yeah. Yeah, similarities in their I, I've always suspected that also of certain Amish, but I, I'm not familiar with all of the Amish. Right, I wouldn't say but there is certain are, Amish uh, in Pennsylvania. But, uh, there is some that are. Because, uh, they're very shrewd business people, and they protect their money uh, very well. And they're Maybe there's conversa. There are certain Amish in Pennsylvania have certain genetic disorders that we wonder if there's a Jewish influence there, like microcephaly. Yeah, aren't the Amish Dutch originally? So maybe there's some converso Jews pretending to be Amish or something, because I, I thought they were, they came from, you know, the Netherlands or Holland or something. I read, well, that could a, be. I read an essay on them years ago, yeah. and I don't remember who put it out or whether it was fact-checked or what, I don't know. I, I read it, and uh, it was a correlation between Amish and gypsies, like gypsy blood uh, within the Amish community. Yeah, they're kind of close to a Jew to me in, in some aspects because they got all the land, they got everything they need. I mean, I don't know. 
I'm not. Ju- I'm not trying to judge them, but I can't prove it. And gypsies are Jews. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, it's like a cult. You know, you everything they do is in secret. I have a lot of respect for the kerosene lantern type of Amish folk, and one thing that does differ from some of them from the typical Jew is that they actually do work with their hands. They do till the land. And that's yeah. that is something that the Jew does not do. Exactly. Yeah, right. That is true. We have they seen Amish uh, Amish people actually working the land and working gardens and things like that with their hands. And they work I mean that's hard work. So they've got that going for them. Jews never going to be able to do that cuz they're genetics. It's too hard on their corrupted genes to work hard like that. You know, like Cain, their father, couldn't couldn't get it right either. Curse of Cain. Why work so hard? Why work so hard when you just hire a Mexican? I wanted to uh, say before we got too far afield uh, that uh, the ancient world absolutely was aware that the earth was round because the pyramids were constructed using mathematical equations that lined them up with the constellations in the sky and their dimensions match both the golden rule of pi and they contain numbers and distances equivalent to the alignments of various celestial bodies. Uh, I know, I know Bill can confirm this. Moses was incredibly well-educated. Egypt was the center of science and culture for the ancient world. It was a lot more advanced than I think modern academia is willing to give them credit for. The pyramids could not have been constructed in the manner that they were if the builders were not intimately aware of astronomy and our planet's movement through the solar system. They had astronomical calendars accurate enough to predict eclipses, alignments of stars, and other unusual phenomena. And that wouldn't have been possible if they didn't at least understand the movement of the moon in the sky and the fact that the Earth was round and that the moon could blot out the sun. They had to have that knowledge or else they wouldn't have been able to build the pyramids the way they did. That was also how they controlled the people. Yes. That's how the part of their religion controlled the people by, by having that knowledge. Yeah, they also built those pyramids. What I heard, the three major ones, the three big ones, that they all point to the North Star. They use the North Star to line it up. Yeah, well, doesn't the North Star change every feel like it was in the ancient past it was one star and now it's a different star yeah over over the years it shifted from the pole a little bit right now we have uh orion not here though not where i'm sorry polaris polaris i'm sorry polaris i never see that so yeah they were saying that the uh the the uh, pyramids of Giza were lined up with the Orion, the three stars in Orion's belt. Yeah, I think you have a point, David, about you know secret knowledge, uh, and about some some you know conspiracy circles saying that oh certain peoples built this because of fallen angels, but the thing is that they went overboard with this. You know, I think. Everything on the antiquity is basically fallen angels. Well, if it, if um, some of those ancient societies had giants or the Nephilim, because they don't necessarily have to be giants, they just have to be the fallen ones. 
leading their societies, well, isn't that the isn't that the fallen angels building that society in a way? Because um, you have giants Og of Bashan leading certain tribes in the Bible, and then you have that um, story of the giant king from ancient times around the time of <laughs> Abraham. So I mean, some of these ancient societies were led by fallen angels. The the Nephilim. Yeah. I think you can sum it up pretty well just by saying. They use Zachariah Sitchin for an authority, so. <laughs> well, they definitely. Yeah. <laughs> if they're using him for an authority. All I know is they were here before we were. <laughs> yeah, they were. They were in the garden before Adam, the fallen ones. Yeah, they were here before us. And, you know, the non-white religions, I think this is just opinion, but I think the non-whites probably you know, their fathers were the fallen angels, so their religions are based around the fallen angels. That's so how I Paul is it. telling the Israelites, um, don't go after those religions and don't, you know, make sacrifices to angels because we should come out of that. The world religions, the religions of the bastards who, you know, this whole society is under the wicked, you know, under the evil under you know the shadow well i'm sorry i really got to try to work on fixing this feedback problem in jitsi because i don't think it's me i think it's the the software on a server or something it, it's nuts but we shouldn't have feedback and and i do so i keep talking with my mic muted that there have been people even on our forums that that have attributed that these ancient observations and dismiss them because they were attributed to pagans. And that's not true. And, and Joe, you just kind of hit on that. Not every observation is discredited simply because it was made by a pagan. It was made by an Adamic mind, which Yahweh created and an Adamic culture that even if it didn't have the truth of God, because it wasn't given the truth of God. That doesn't mean that everything that it invented or devised or, or ha had postulated is illegitimate. It doesn't mean that. Yeah, you're right, Bill and Joe, in regards to that. I think that uh, some circles seem to, you know, think that everything is possibly fallen angels. Like, like I said before, they think everything that isn't, you know, right on the bit on the Bible. Or, is probably strange. They they, they kind of make assumptions, you know, which could go overboard easily. I think that and about that, you know, that you were saying about the Adamic mind. I think the saddest example is probably around the region of you know Nepal, uh, Bhutan, China, China, maybe India in particular, because of all you know the, the New Age spiritualism comes from there, and you know I think something really serious went up there. Uh, in regards, you know, to the Adamics that they basically mixed out of existence thanks to these strange religions. I wouldn't be impressed if that place was a hotbed of demons. Well, I think Bill's written on Tiamat, you know, the god of chaos and all this sort of stuff. And it's almost like some of these ancient religions that are adversarial to our religion have the opposite viewpoint to the Genesis account. So in their religion, their fallen angels were good and um, 
bene, you know, beneficial and beneficent, if I can say that word. Um, but in our account, the fallen angels were evil and corrupted the um, creation of God. So, so you've got these these fallen really, and this is all just you know opinion. You know, I'm not saying this is definitely 100% proven in the Bible, but you have these religions um, that are against us, and they're the religions of the world, and they they have the opposite perspective to us and similar myths, similar myths that we have, but the corruption was good, things like that, and chaos is good. Yeah, I see what you what you just said. Ancient religions. I don't know. I always felt that, you know, uh, particularly Nepal and that, that place, you know, with all the mysteries from the temples, I know these are probably closer to our age than long, much long ago, but I still think something happened there. Is everyone muting their mic when they're not talking? That might be why you feedback, Bill, because you push that button to talk and then you push it again to mute. Well, Bill was fine later. Uh earlier on when we had less people on and it seems to be that whenever the host has uh, got too many people in the conference, it seems like his mic is the only one that actually has some feedback on it. So uh, it might be something else that's going on. I'm sorry. I stepped away. I had to. Three hours is um, pushing my bladder. Bill, do you want me to stop the recording for the um, just a conference? Well, are we done? Does anybody else have any other issues? I think I I, I, I think I owe this to you, Bill. You you wanted to know something about the parable, and I kind of cut you off, and the talk just spiraled into something else. I think just this other thing that you asked about the tree. If anyone else had uh, found the the meaning of that parable before you did, I think it was that. Yeah, I'm not going to get upset if anybody else said I'd be happy. I I just never heard it. I've never I've never heard it explained. And what? The 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 meaning of the parable of the trees of the forest. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, before you said it, I never heard of it from any other denomination. But um I think that they don't want to talk about that because basically they're aligned with the state. So to talk about it at all, to explain it, it would uh, re really be, uh, you know, ca contradictory to uh, their purpose. That's true, but have they always been aligned with the state? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, yeah, you know, have, has every Protestant denomination always been aligned with the state? I don't think so. Yeah, because then they'd have to realize, like, the queen is a bramble bush. They don't want to do that, you know. King of England is, is a bramble bush. All these people. Uh, it's a lot more obvious today with the government we have today that they're all bramble bushes because they're not good for nothing but, um, pro, you know, exploiting their own people. Even, even going so far as to try and destroy the nation that they're supposed to be the government of. So they're definitely bramble bushes and worse. Yeah, I don't know about back when Protestantism began, but I mean, the last 100, 150 years, I'd say that they would never say that. They would never talk about it or try to explain it. Um, 
I don't disagree with your explanation of it uh, at all. I think it's a, a very good explanation of it. The issue with it is because most of the time good people don't want to have anything to do with ruling over their brethren is it is always left to people that are not good. It's always left to the brambles. Uh, and so then Dasho was saying earlier, and we all, we've all said it, uh, there's not a political solution. But with there not being a political solution, definitely not a federal one, but as Dasho was talking earlier, I, I believe it's going to have to be a state and a local. And it's not going to be a solution at all. But, you know, something's got to give. It's stirring the pot. And it, yeah, stirring the pot. And there are going to have to be some good, honest people to stand up and in their local communities and even on a state level, county and state level, to help slow some of this down. I mean, I, I understand from a Christian standpoint, we wanted to you know, just the bottom to fall out and, and be done with it. And we're all looking forward to that. And on the civic side of it, yeah, then, then good people, in order to at least have some protection for our people, for white people, even if they're not Christian identity, just white people in general, they're going to have to have some form of corrupt, but at least a little honest <laughs> uh, governance. Even, even though it's corrupt, it's still got to be something that, that has some honest people there to, to start passing bills or submitting bills uh, for protection. Yeah, and it's going to have to start within your local community. And It's never going to start on a federal level because they just want to No, the federal, the federal is the most evil entity there ever was. The states are going to have to recognize their own power again and break off from them. And it's going to take the local community, you know, you get out and meet some friends and get your local community built up where we can stand together and fight against it. That's, I mean, it's, it's going to come down to this. Oh, know. like the, the abortion ban, the, uh, the constitutional carry, you know, the second uh, pro-Second Amendment, uh, uh, sanctuary states and stuff like that, and then when the Supreme Court rules against and transgenders in, in sports, you know, stuff like that, uh, and then whenever the Supreme Court rules that that's unconstitutional and you can't do that, then the states are going to have to say, and you're going to have leaders in the states that have got a backbone that will stand up and say, nah, no, we don't care. You have to have we're some not, leaders in your gonna, state you know, with a backbone exactly right. Mean it's not worth a bucket of cold piss and the state's going to stand on its own. Man's law versus God's law. Well, I don't even know if we could look for, if we look for salvation from our states, we can't because all of our various states are polluted. But the thing about succession and why I'm in, in, in favor of that, this pushing this succession idea is that to me, that's the beginning of the fall of Babylon. Amen. When the states become divided, when people that are preponderantly or, or, or Christian aware 
realize that they have to split from this federal government. That's why I'm, I'm in a league of the South. That's why I, I, there are other reasons, of course, but that's why I'm in favor of the idea of political secession, not because it's a political solution. There's no political solution, but we don't know how Babylon is going to fall. And on the other hand, we can't stand around doing nothing. Exactly. We, we right. have to find vehicles to, to, to push our message. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> but we have to find vehicles that will help facilitate the push of our message. Yeah, and if that's local people, uh, you know, people in their, their local governments taking a stand against stuff that is anti-Christian, anti-Christ, policies that we have in our government that that's where it's got to start well well christagenia is not an organizing vehicle right christagenia to me has always been an academic endeavor and and i'm blessed with a whole community even though we've suffered a lot of divisions over the years but the, the the organizing endeavor is a whole different ball game right and it's I can't do both, right? So, so the League of the South, I think, is an excellent vehicle, and that's why I joined it because most of them are Christian identity, and they think like we do, and it's just a great opportunity for me to do something in the real world. And and we should all be doing something in the real world, not just sitting here and pontificating. If all I did was do put two podcasts a week and pontificate, what am I? What word? What good am I? Well, according to some Judeos, that's what all we can do. You know, just pray until Jesus comes and solves everything. What was yeah, the Judeos want to solve everything by making us all love niggers? Oh, what did Gideon exactly. do? What was he? Yeah, look back on and, and judge it. Look at Gideon. Well, well, right. Gideon called the herd. I understand that. Now, I'm not saying we can fix it. But, like you said, it could be part of the, the bringing about the fall of Babylon. Whenever, if, an, if, if good people can find a way to have some sort of voice that's large enough and people get behind him. That's what it's going to take. Well, there's lots of things. I mean, it, it could, we, we don't know how it's going to fall, but that could be a possible way for it to. Indeed. Well, if, if things keep going like it's going, it won't be long. They'll be passing laws that they're going to take our daughters and marry them off to, the other races and and Deuteronomy 28 have to take our sons and uh, give them to their daughters it, it's happened before not, I think not that's what they were in times, France but that's you know the, the, the pedophiles will be allowed to take your children and you won't have any power to stop any of it because oh, that's they've, why. Got rights, they've got feelings he's not a, he's not a 35 year old or a 70 year old um, yeah, well, biologically, yes, but uh, he's, you know, 
he feels like he's 12. So, you know. He identifies. Okay. Yeah, he identifies as a 12-year-old. I think you'll So now it's okay. You know, a mix as in terms of, you know, calling, keep calling us. At the same time, try to marry us off to, you know, strangers. Well, didn't the president of France announce that he wanted laws like that? That The ex-president, Sarkozy, said he wanted laws that force race mixing? Yeah, I've seen a bill on that, I believe. So you're not, you're not too far off the mark in saying that. That is that is their eventual goal. They've they've said as much over the last. I, I know it's been in writing for about a hundred years, and I'm sure everyone on the call knows that. But they've they've actually tried to do it a few times in the last twenty years or so. It's coming. They're going to try and make state mandated race mixing. Yeah, I, in communist Russia wasn't. Judeo Christians will go along with it because they believe in the sanctity of marriage, as they call it. So therefore, that's oh you, you no you can't have a, a just a civil union. You know you you can't be uh, in wedlock. Oh my gosh, have a child out of wedlock. Oh, so you got to be married. Oh well, I know you'd like yeah, to but... marry. Uh, you know you'd like to marry Billy or whatever, but you can't. You got to marry. You know Usman. I because you got to be married. It already exists, right? So what you're talking about, like state-mandated uh, race mixing, already really exists. So it's not a law on paper. It's not really enforceable, but it's a law of a, a much more powerful um, uh, entity, which is propaganda. <coughs> it already exists. Essentially, um, people don't like you. I mean, that's only kind of really beginning or has perhaps in the last decade or two. Um, Janelle Christians, the last 20 years at least, have already been programmed that they're doing God a favor by marrying somebody of another race. Right, and that's what I mean. So that's already... At least 20 years. Yeah. So, I mean, actually put it on paper, that would be too explicit. People don't like people don't like seeing explicit things. They like it to be just around in the air, you know what I mean? It just exists, but we don't have to read it, you know? <clears throat> that's how I look at it, yeah. Well, on that note, perhaps we could we, we don't have to end the conference, but we could end the recorded portion of it. it it's um, three and a half hours already, just about. And, and I thank you all for your participation, and, and I wish we could go all night, but people would probably hate me for making a six-hour recording. Yeah, true. So we could hang out, but praise Yahweh and thank you all and and and... I'll say good night there. I'm not really leaving, but I'll say good night there. Good night, Bill. Praise Thanks for giving Praise us the platform to come on and do this. Praise yeah, y'all. Thank you, Bill. Good night. Yeah, we have to. I, I really believe in in building a community, and and that's been my endeavor the entire time I've been doing this for 12 years now. So, so y'all are it. I mean. It, it's divided a lot before, but I I, I despise the divisions. I, I mean, I gave my grounds for fellowship in, in the Christoginia Forum that I wrote 12 years ago. It's really simple, and we all agree on those three things. And, and, and divisions beyond those th three things really, that they cause me despair. They really do. It's horrible. But thank you all for being here. Praise Praise you all. Praise Yahweh, now and forever. Praise Yahweh. The once and future king.